Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Das Herz von einem Jied, das Herz von einem Jied. Der Machschuwe von einem Jied, der Machschuwe von einem Jied. Der Neifisch von einem Jied, der Neifisch von einem Jied. Der Rutze von einem Jied, der Rutze von einem Jied. Das Herz von einem Jied, das Herz von einem Jied. Wie nur du bist, wo es nur du bist, dann kann ich es so groß.
J.M. in the A.M. with Shlaimi Gertner, Kayal Tarog, brand new Shmoli Unger before that, and of course Regesh Modani opening things up on this Friday morning Erev Shab. As well, as much as um, Rabbi Yigal Siegel is trying to convince me to keep our 40th anniversary campaign going, I had to uh, put my foot down and say, no, today is the last... <laughs> 
<laughs> Today's the last day. Let's just say the narrative is a bit different, but he's being very patient with me this morning. After all, after all, I have a grandson who's recovering from surgery, so he's being very, very generous. <laughs> he's being very generous to me this morning and allowing me to say whatever I want on the air. Anyway, it is a Friday morning. Erev Shabbos, as you hear in the background, Rabbi Yigal Siegel is with us live from Jerusalem. He is helping me remind this precious audience that today really is the final day of our fundraiser for our 40th anniversary. You probably won't hear from us in earnest. You'll hear you'll hear reminders during the year, you know, before Rosh Hashanah and other times. You'll hear reminders about supporting us, but in terms of a uh, an earnest campaign, you probably won't hear this type of um, a pitching again till sometime after thanksgiving so today's the day that we ask everybody to add to our total oh we uh you got, we uh, we have, are we going to adjust our uh, our goal uh to reflect today or are we going to keep the goal exactly the way it is yeah i mean i think that uh good morning by the way but good afternoon by the way i'm not in your slime i'm in natanya oh that's right rainy natanya it's raining that's number one yes it really two, it really is big- it really is like florida it rains at random <laughs> no, it's going to rain for the next four days, but that's okay. Country washless so rain. Oh, so which one, is a bracha. One, one second, let me just make sure. I'm going to call my travel agent while I'm on with you and make sure I'm not traveling to Israel <laughs> over the next four days. <laughs> what do you mean? They thought you were coming. That's why it's raining. Exactly. They got this rumor that I was going to Israel. Anyway, yeah, so go ahead. So, so. My first correction of the show is that I am in Natanya. I am not in Yerushalayim. My second, uh, not correction, but I'm not going to address the, you know, the campaign ending today was, was your idea, was my idea versus, wait, was my idea. No way. You wanted to continue. I, I don't remember what to say. Anyway, I do want to uh, just say hello to a very special young lady who's uh, sleeping in the, the living room. Um, Rachel Esther Baraski is here for Shabbos with her parents, wow. Nimi and Tzvi. Yeah, well, we don't talk about Nimi and Tzvi anymore since she arrived. <laughs> like Nimi and Tzvi, Nimi, Nimi and Tzvi used to be high profile for our family, and everybody would talk about them, and everyone would say how much they love them. Now it's their daughter that everybody focuses on. <laughs> and a very special welcome from Baltimore to uh, our good friend Chaya Spiro, who's uh, here for Shabbos with her brother Shirley. Oh. And uh, the Chatan will be here this, uh, this Shabbat. Kala will be coming over, hopefully, to, to uh, visit us for one of the meals. Yeah, everybody out there, so, you're, you're getting the feeling. And B'liayin hara, b'liayin hara, b'liayin hara. But uh, Yigal and Rifki had an ma- amazing granddaughter recently. We mentioned that on the air, of course. A daughter to Naima and Svi. And that caused tremendous celebration in our family and beyond. And then, of course, we had this uh, um, amazing young man who's now known as um, Yitzchak Zev, whose bris was yesterday, and that has caused, thank God, tremendous jubilation in our family and beyond. And uh, as you know, Yigal and Rifki celebrated this week, literally this week, the engagement of Yehuda Siegel to Yahel Mansur. And uh, Yehuda, the Chatan, as Yigal just referred to him, is actually, it sounds like he'll be spending Shabbat with you and Natanya. Yes, and then of course I'm sure that you remember that uh, yesterday. Um, I don't know if anyone wished you a happy birthday because of the big simcha, but happy birthday, belated happy birthday to you on your mm. birthday. Yeah, basically. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. 
And I'm sure you remember that 37 years ago yesterday, you, your car broke down on the way down to Baltimore for the big uh, wedding, which took place 37 years ago today. Yeah, uh, that's right. Myself and Rifki. You're celebrating an anniversary on the secular calendar today. Mazal Tov. Yes. And yes, my car, it was... 37 years. It's funny because... Um, it, it was freezing. You know, for those of you who think it's cold now in the New York, New Jersey area, the year you got married in 1987, February 16th, again, the wedding date, Mazal Tov, today's the anniversary. It was so, I think it was like four degrees. And yeah, my car broke yep. down and finally I got down. I, I, I arrived like at midnight or something finally the night before. And anyway, Baruch Hashem. Look at this. All came these, like in the middle of the night or something. Yeah, all these years later, Baruch Hashem. You made it, Nach. Yeah, it so. could be the cough is from that trip. You think that's what happened? Just a belated reaction. When you, when we you, must speak to Doctor Mark about that. When you talk about lingering <laughs> coughs, you mean lingering? My gosh, that is that is what <laughs> yeah. lingering cough. So yes, a happy anniversary to the seagulls and Mazal Tov to everybody on all the big smachot. Baruch Hashem, our, our brother Rabbi Nate and Babby Siegel celebrated the wedding of Mayor Simcha last week. So we are just That's thank right. God, thank God we're in the throes of a really really good period of time. We've had tough, tough periods of time and we've had wonderful periods of time, and it's good bliyain hara bliyain hara. Baruch Hashem, right now we are in the midst of a great. And I want to express uh, my personal appreciation in starting to now. I want to express my personal appreciation to the, to the many donors who have donated since I was on the air earlier this week and specifically acknowledging the fact that you have been diligently uh, doing this unbelievable Avodos HaKodesh for 40 years and also acknowledging the tremendous uh, Simcha that's happening to your family and to your extended family. So I think it's a, uh, it's a very nice way of, uh, of, of honoring you and honoring um, everything that you have accomplished in the last 40 years by acknowledging the tremendous simcha in your family, and, and you should continue to have it for many, many years to come. I appreciate that. This audience has always been part of the extended family. By the way, with that in mind, I want to just give a special thank you to Mayor Furtick for sitting in yesterday during the big day, and of course, Avrami, who's the backbone of this operation, who makes sure that everything goes off without a hitch. A big thank you to both of them. Um, is Mayor Furtick Saba or Grandpa? What is he? I don't know. Uh, he probably did tell me it's He sounds point. like a Grandpa Furtick. Sounds really good. Mayor, if you're out there, send me a text and let me know what, what they call you. And your wife, of course. Miles is tough to guess. It's funny because when people start guessing what the, what the grandchildren call me, Saba is like usually the third or fourth guest, which is so funny because in my head it's been Saba for the last 50 years until I finally had a grandchild. So it's just funny that. Uh, oh, I thought they call you Pop Pop. No, they don't call me that. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they can try, but it's not going to be a pleasant experience. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so that's the story. So now uh, we are, look, we have a very positive attitude, folks, because frankly, most organizations on this side of the world that have set a goal for their campaigns uh, have fallen short of that goal because of what uh, we have dedicated as American, uh, as an American Jewish community to the state of Israel over the last four months, which is fine. And obviously we're proud of that. So uh, the, the total, I, 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 and this campaign is still our best campaign, our, our best regular campaign ever, which is a great feeling. So that has to be acknowledged. And we're at uh, just under $192,000, which is also amazing because it would be great if we uh, continued forward today and got over the $200,000 mark. Um, yeah, and by the way, not for us to reach $200,000, 
at this point, it means that we, we need people to donate $4,000 because every dollar is still being matched by our wonderful matchers who we thank profusely. So really if we can raise $4,000 in the next uh, 10, 11 hours uh, before Shabbos starts in America, that would be unbelievable. Yeah, and uh, to reach two hundred, yeah, to reach two hundred thousand dollars for us would be an unbelievable, an unbelievable accomplishment. Go ahead, I'm signing. Yeah, like uh, like I said, our best regular campaign ever. No, I, I apologize for interrupting. It's ten and a half hours left to the campaign, as you pointed out. Uh, at, at what number we could double till we get to where? Like somewhere in the two hundreds. Yeah, well, if we reach two hundred and nine thousand, then the doubling will have to be taken off. But you know, again. You know, I think 200000 is a realistic no, goal for us today. I totally agree, but uh, that that does mean that uh, that at the end of this campaign, once this show goes off the air today, uh, we'll be able mm-hmm. to, uh, again, again, we'll be able to uh, continue to increase as people continue to contribute. Every time, I mean, unless... 100%. Uh, yeah, unless we, you know, just, you know, get, get a massive, massive donation in the next few minutes. But the point is that we have a, a realistic shot of getting to $200,000. Now, there's another number I want to talk about. There's another number I want to talk about. You know, in radio, and obviously I have a little bit of experience in this, especially when it comes to not-for-profit radio. In radio, the number of people who support you, and this is true in public television as well, the number of people who support you is a small, 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 small percentage of the regular listenership and viewership. Very small. If I told you the actual number, you'd be you'd be shocked. With that in mind, and with the in, incredible global impact of this network, meaning that you know when when something very often when something is really focused on on a, a local effort, it's easier to raise money. We have become an absolute global entity, which you know focuses on much more. Of a of a global lineup of issues, um, as compared to what we used to be in terms of local in New York and New Jersey. And with that in mind, and with all of that quote unquote working against us, we are at four hundred and thirty one donors, which is an amazing number. And that number, I would love to see. And this is something that could go on even after the campaign officially ends. I would love to see that number, you know, approach 500. I'd love to see that, you know, 500 people are actually donating and are actually uh, committing funds to our growth um, so that everything that we provide on a daily basis will continue. And this is a perfect example. I'm not here yesterday. We have somebody who's able to sub in and produce and host a great radio show. We have a lineup after JM and the AM that includes some incredible talk programs, a wonderful live lunch, live programming. Yeah, in this era of podcasting, we're still insisting on live programming, which is pretty significant. Arab Shabbos show with Mark Zamek brought to you by Kedem. That happens every single Thursday. Is repeated twice on Fridays to enhance your Erev Shabbat. All this is being provided. Friday programming? I mean, come on. Aside from Harry Rothenberg and Rabbi Yudin, who concentrate on the Torah portion each week, we are going to be featuring uh, Malcolm Honeline, which we do almost every single week with the weekly update. And this is a really important week. Hey, you're there in Israel, Yigal. You know how important a week this is. Lots of stuff going on up north. Lots of yes, stuff going on down south. And plenty to discuss. Maybe, maybe during one of those segments, someone will finally uh, 
agree with me that BB should have resigned on October 8th, but that's uh, not for now. Just happens to be uh, it was a big part of a discussion in my apartment last night, so I'm still I'm still on that bandwagon. <laughs> um, and then uh, and then of course our weekend programming and uh, you know coming back to work on a Monday and heading back to school and looking for appropriate programming for your carpool and something that you could play for your kids. That's meaningful, important, fun, and and uh, you know includes so much of our heritage and tradition. That's what it is. That's what JMNAM has become over forty years, and that's what the Nahum Siegel Network is, twenty four hours a day. So we ask everybody to be as generous as possible. If you're one of those four hundred and thirty one donors that has already given, we do not need to hear from you today. And by the way, if you're one of those four thirty one, you're probably thrilled that this thing is finally ending today, and you're not going to hear this anymore for a while. <laughs> But if you're not from the 431, if you're listening in the United States, Israel, or any other country on this globe, and you haven't yet given to our 40th anniversary campaign, now's the time. Everything gets doubled. As Egal said, for sure, in the early part of this morning, everything's going to be doubled, which means if you give 100, it's really 200. If you give 500, it's really 1,000. Everything's going to be doubled by our generous matchers. And, uh, and this is it. We're in the final stretch. Uh, it may have taken us, you know, six, seven weeks of overtime in order to get to the final stretch, but here we finally are. So give and give generously. If you insist on giving again, if you've given already, we're not going to turn it down. And uh, certainly if you haven't given yet or if you've never given ever, now's the time. FJBUnity.org, 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 FJBUnity.org. Give to our Cause Match campaign. Make it a great success. In terms of yesterday, Baruch Hashem. It seems that um, it seems that Yitzchak Zev is recovering nicely from his uh, surgery, uh, from our uh, from from our uh, required <laughs> the requirement of uh, of our tradition of the uh, bris mila, which took place yesterday at the Young Israel of Woodmere. Mazal tov to the Levinsons. Mazal tov to the Siegels. Um, we were represented by a tremendous uh, number of uh, family and friends. Uh, very much missed Yigal Siegel, who sent me the most beautiful text yesterday morning at 5 a.m. telling me how much he wishes he could be there. That was a that was a commentary about the bagels and whitefish, or that was a commentary that you wanted to be next to me when I named the baby? Which one was that? Bagels and whitefish. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> nah. I, I've heard you announce stuff before. I haven't had the bagels and whitefish. I've been this one. <laughs> But I do want to make a point yeah. <laughs> just to piggyback on what you said. First of all, as you mentioned before, you know, the campaign ends today, but the, the need for funds and the fact that you can donate at any point during the next few months is, is always available to you at fjbunited.org. And of course there'll be a donate link from, uh, from your website as well. I want to thank the, our friends at cause match for, you know, setting up our campaign page. And of course, uh, the donate page won't be that won't look that much different that different because it will be through cause match as well. We thank them for their help. Um, so it, it's important for people to realize that uh, this is an ongoing effort. Obviously, the campaign, uh, despite its overtime, uh, is is a one is a is, is a one section of time uh, event that we try and do during uh, usually November December. And uh, but the, the need for funds in terms of keeping things going is a is a is a year is a year round thing. So we appreciate anyone who can help us out during the year. And of course, we really want to reach a special goal today. So anyone who can 
uh, please help us out today at fjbunity.org is also appreciated. And as I mentioned earlier in the week, you know, anyone who's been listening to, to Nahum for any period of time during the last 40 years and has not yet decided to support the program, right now would be a great time <laughs> to make that decision, a positive decision to donate at fjbunity.org. Mayor Fertig, by the way, says he's Zadie. Wow, what a traditionalist. Wow. What a traditionalist. Excuse me, excuse me. No, no, don't just say Mayor Fertig. Say Zadie Fertig. Zadie Fertig. And Hani Fertig is Bobby. So we have Bobby and Zadie in the Fertig home. Wow. That's great. Yeah. And and your guest. What was your guest? Grandpa, right? Your guess was completely wrong. Yeah, I thought Grandpa Ferdig was, you know. Your guess was completely wrong. Completely wrong. Totally wrong. You, you could not have been more wrong. As I've pointed out I, to you. As so I've pointed, wrong. As I, I can't believe As I've pointed <laughs> out to you for decades, so many times, you could not possibly be more wrong. <laughs> anyway. Yes, for almost 16 years, I've heard that from you. Yes, that's true. What can I tell you? Anyway, um, there was something else I wanted to mention. Um, I also want to uh, mention the live lunches with live lunches with Yossi Zweig. That's right. It's something that we provide. Oh, by the uh, way, for, yeah, for I, I, I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to say something else because the other day we were talking about Yossi Zweig and obviously live programming, and he's a big part of it because midday he and Avrami take care of the live programming. But you want to know another thing, by the way, that we provide that people don't even realize? Maybe they realize it now because of the war because this has happened so much over the last four months. Yessie's Why keeps us on the cutting edge of the brand new music. If there, if an album, right. if an album or single comes out today, we have it the latest tomorrow morning. Me, meaning the next morning, we have it the latest the next morning. That's because right. of him, and that's why so much of our programming has been dominated by so many of the war-related songs that have come out. And very often, before people even see the YouTube video of that song, before people are even aware that it's actually out there, we have it on the air. And that's that's really a tribute to Yossi's why, because that was an area I just I couldn't be music director of this network. And Mark Zomick and he basically took on that entire role. And when it comes to the new new music part, that's his part of it. So, you know, we really have an operation that, you know, is a well-oiled machine um, and takes a lot of effort and a lot of funds and a lot of blood and sweat in order to, you know, make it work every single day. So. Please acknowledge that and please join us by being a sponsor, a donor, a supporter at fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. It's Arab Shabbos Parshas Truma. Candle lighting in New York is 511. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Again, in New York, it's 511. And um, just... in Natanya, it's 508 for anyone who's interested. Oh, that's interesting that we're so close. <laughs> wow. I know. I, can I just add two more things to our list of uh, of accolades, etc.? I want to. Oh, by the way, by the way, very important. I don't know if uh, you saw the picture. Before you add whatever you have to add, this is too important. I have to interrupt. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the picture <laughs> or not. Yesterday, um, yesterday, I, I I had purchased a few things for the baby. You know, like uh, okay. like I'll give you an example. I mean, obviously, he needs a Yankee bib, right? I mean, he's gonna he's gonna need a bib yeah. at some point. No question. And I and no question. And obviously, the bib has to you know reflect the you know again one of the traditions of his family. And by the way, remember, 
As Steven Levinson pointed out to me yesterday, this might be the first fight he and I have. Remember, he is a Met fan. So I have got, mm. I've got to be very, very, you know, on top of things in order to make sure that this kid, you know, is raised in the right direction, so to speak. Correct. Yeah. So much to the chagrin of, uh, of Safta, much to the chagrin of Safta, I insisted on purchasing certain items, which, of course, she felt was a complete waste of money. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so now he has a Yankee bib. He also has one of oh. these. He also has one of these onesie. You're a Saba. Do you know what uh, what a onesie is? Are you familiar with that term? Yes, I know what a onesie is. Yes, so I he, do. Yeah. He's got a onesie that says Rookie of the Year. I think it says something like that. But then, I really, Pinstripes? I re- yeah. And then I went for broke. Then I totally went for broke. Again, much to the chagrin of Safta, who you know is only in favor of wasting money on Amazon when she's doing that. She's not in favor of it when I do it. Yeah. So, so much to the chagrin, of, I I bought him a onesie and presented it to his parents yesterday, which says, "Grandpa says I'm a Yankee fan." <laughs> so, that's great. Oh, that's fantastic. At which point, at which point again, Stephen Levinson, you know, looked at me like, "Wow, I can't believe after all these years, like we had." No fights about the wedding. We had no fights about anything that's happened in our <laughs> life. And this is where we're going to go at it. I said to him, I said, you know what we'll do? We'll take him to a Yankee-Met game because now these Yankee-Met games actually happen, right? They actually happen during the regular season. We'll take him to a Yankee-Met game and, you know, let's see what happens. Let's see who indoctrinated him better. Trust me with the, <laughs> trust me with the stuff I'm going to be buying him at the stadium. He'll be a Yankee fan forever. <laughs> Listen, you have to have faith in Benjamin. I think Benjamin can make sure that he'll be a Yankee fan. Trust me. I'm, I have no faith in anybody. I felt I got to take this task on myself. Are you kidding me? I'm going to rely on someone else for such, something that important? Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, I was also. Um, now, I, can I go back to talking about I was also very, very inspired. When uh, Benjamin yes. said, when Benjamin said to me he's already reviewed a couple of sukim from uh, from um, Yitzchak Zev's bar mitzvah with him, I was very happy about that because as you know, because oh, as, nice. as you know, Yigal, when it comes to bar mitzvah preparation, there's no such thing as too early, as you know. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, yeah. And you, by the way, you have the record in our family. I think you're the one who. Uh, read the Haftarah a year before his bar mitzvah, no? Yeah, no, get, I don't think and, anyone else did that. And guess which Haftarah that was? It was Truma. It wasn't Mishpatim. Yeah, today's Truma. I know today's Truma, but his bar mitzvah bar is Mishpatim. Hey, should I make a plea for uh, for Maftir tomorrow? Should I make a public plea? Well, if they want someone who knows the Haftarah, then they definitely will want you. <laughs> By the way... By the way, and Gavri had this. Yeah. Gavri had this. When was, oh Gavri's haftorah was what? It was it was was it erev Chodesh? It may have been Machar Chodesh. Probably Shmini is always erev Chodesh or Machar Chodesh. Yeah. So a couple of months ago, when was Rosh Chodesh on a Sunday? A couple of months ago, at Yeshiva Dakotel, they asked them to read the haftorah from a cloth. Was Rosh, was Rosh Chodesh on a Sunday recently? I don't even remember. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, a few, a few months, months ago. ago. I yeah. mean, so, you know, so tomorrow, remember, I'm in a minion tomorrow where they read the Torah from a cloth. If I had to do it tomorrow after memorizing it at the age of 12, could I be able, would I be able to do it? 
You want to know something? Well, I'm, I remember I remember that half star because of you incessantly <laughs> practicing it in our bedroom. Right, but you so probably I could do it if I was there. So you probably could do it. But you might only be able to do the first few psukim because you know how it is. Everyone always, you know, could do the first few psukim that they've heard in the house for the last few months. But I'm wondering if I could do the whole thing tomorrow. You know what? Let's not take that risk. Let's not experiment. We'll let the regular ball cover. Now in. can I talk about what we were talking about? <laughs> can I go oh, back? You wanna to you wanna go back to the Yankee onesie? I, the truth is I don't even remember. No, I do remember what I wanted to say. First of all, I wanted to say a big, big, big Yeshikayah on the kosher halftime show, which is another part of the of the programming that you present every year. I think it was it was done extremely well this year in light of what's happening here in Eretz Israel, and I wanted to thank you for that. And obviously thank Avram Fried and thank our friends at Colron Multimedia who did a fantastic job. I, I think it was a great, great effort. I, I have gotten so many amazing comments, and I've gotten a lot of nice comments over the years about the programming that I'm involved with, but the comments I got about the Kosher Halftime Show have been incredible. And someone called me this week, and said, I had to call you and just tell you that one of the biggest struggles that Jewish leadership has right now is how to balance regular life and at the same time remind everybody what's going on in Israel. It's one of the biggest challenges. And, I, and he said to me, I don't think most Jewish leadership and organizations are doing it well. Okay, that's a debate. We could debate that forever. He said, what you did with the Kosher Halftime Show was showed all of the Jewish leaders out there that there is a way, even in the midst of the Super Bowl, one of the greatest, you know, joyful traditions of the United States, it's a fun tradition in the United States, even in the midst of the Super Bowl, you showed everybody how you're able to go ahead and let everybody enjoy the game, why not, and at the same time remind everybody what our brothers and sisters in Israel are going through. And that was a phone call that I will never forget. And uh, yeah, a lot of people have been um, coming forward with the same sentiment, and I uh, I humbly accept everybody's compliments on this one because it was a calculated move to try to figure out exactly how to do this right, and with the right person, Avram Freed, we did it right. Hundred percent. I um, I think it was really a great job, and uh, and hats off to you, not just for this year, but in general, this, the whole concept of the kosher halftime show is, is another thing that you have produced over the years, which is, I think, really have been, has been a big hit with the Jewish community. Yeah, the existence of the kosher um, halftime show is a very important statement. It's a very important statement. That's what it is. The existence of the kosher halftime show is a very important statement, and I am proud that in this leadership role, we were able to introduce it to everybody years ago. Yes, thank you for that. And also I wanted to just send out, you know, there are a lot of people behind the scenes um, in the network. You know, some are mentioned, you know, on uh, on, on programs uh, on a constant basis, Mark Zamek, Mayor Fertig. Um, Miriam, of course, is still involved. And, you know, Baruch Hashem, we have a lot of people behind the scenes. I want to just uh, give a, a specific thank you to Avrami, who is really really the backbone of the whole network at this point in terms of um, production and, and all the technical stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And I really want to thank him very, very much for, for everything he does for the network. Yeah. Well, um, well deserved. I also want to give a shout out to Benny Narrowless, who was very helpful to us in the campaign in general and look forward to working with him again. I think he was, uh, gave us very, very valuable 
input. And I think he's a, he's definitely a, a person who's going to be much more involved in the future. So I want to thank him. And I want to again, thank all our donors who have donated to the campaign and ask anyone who has not as yet given a gift. Now's the time to do it. FJBUnity.org. Let's show Nahum appreciation for the 40 years that he's been doing this or any part of that 40 years that you've been listening, please, please, please support what he does on a daily basis. I appreciate that. And we have, we have barely a staff and yet, and yet people like yourself and Mark Zamek and Mayor Fertig and Matis Weingast and Avrami Finkelstein and Yoni Pollock and ZK and Miriam Wallach. I, I just named eight people. I just named eight people, Yossi Zweig. I just named nine people that are on a regular basis involved in the operation of this network. I just named nine. With me, it's ten. I just named ten people that on a regular basis. We, 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 have, we, have we have nothing of an operation, quote unquote. And there's ten people involved to keep this thing going. That's how complicated an operation it is. Because if you want to do something even on a simple basis these days, folks, you need a lot of people and a tremendous support system behind you. So now that you just learned that we have at least, there's more. Believe me, there's more I can name. We have a lot of hosts on the network that I can name. Um, so, so trust me, there's more than what I just mentioned. Just in my head, I'm already up to 15 in terms of people we can acknowledge this morning that are part of this whole operation. So if they are an incredible support system. Some of them paid staff, some of them volunteers. An incredible support system. And both of them, paid or volunteers, work give 100% to this effort, 100%. They are an amazing support system for this network. Now you can be a support system for all of us and all of them. You can be the support system because we've pointed out, and Yigal and I have done this for 10 years now that we've pointed this out. Since I left FMU, we've been pointing this out. And the only way this network, as an independent global network, is going to be successful is if it follows the lead of its three main uh, revenue streams. One is sponsorships, right? We have a, uh, <coughs> excuse me, we have an amazing array of regular sponsorships of uh, uh, of this network. One is, I mean, uh, as an example, the Rothenberg Law Firm, the way they sponsor our special events is one perfect example of that. There are other, right. other great mm-hmm. examples of that. There's advertising. There are people who, have utilized our airwaves to, you know, support us. And at the same time, we support them on a daily basis. Obviously, the most uh, obvious example of that is our friends at Abels and Hyman, Seth Levitt and A&H. That's just one example of the advertising component of our revenue stream. And then there's listener support. <coughs> and then there's the cloth medicine budget. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> then there's, li- there's listener support. The only way... We can do this is with all three being strong. It's as simple as that. We've pointed this out for God knows how many years. And listener support means that people take their $18 or their $180 or their $500 or in some cases $2,000, $3,000, $4,000 all the way up to $26,000. They take those donations and they say, Nahum, we're, we're putting our you know money where our mouths are because we always say that we are your friends, we are your supporters, we are the well, those who encourage you, we are those who you know are there for you. We're going to put our money where our mouth is, and we're going to ask you to keep on going forward every single day. Just be there for us every single day. So, and one last reminder to our listeners, and something we we spoke about more at the beginning of the campaign, and <laughs> definitely on the website. 
is uh, the fact that if you donate $360 to the campaign, you are entitled to a signed copy of Nahum's biography, which is still slated for a publication date of April 2024. Uh, there's no question that we're trying very hard to reach that goal, <laughs> getting the book out by 2000, uh, April 2024. So please be patient with us if it, it's a little delayed, only because of different circumstances over the last couple of months. But, uh, again, if you donate $360 to the campaign, um, you will receive uh, Nahum's biography, um, a signed copy of Nahum's biography. And I want to thank Yafa Storch and now Matis Weingast has been very involved in the project. Um, and we look forward to, to seeing that in print very, very soon. And that's a donation of 360 And uh, now that this campaign is ending and now that uh, hopefully I'm finally starting to recover from this month-long whatever it is that I have, hopefully, yes, we will accelerate the effort and uh, and finish up the biography, which is um, going to be quite interesting to anybody who's been a listener for any length of time of this show and for anybody who has an interest in modern Jewish history. I think you'll find it fascinating as well. So that is the next goal, to meet that deadline. Now that we, now that we postponed the fundraising deadline for six weeks... And now that I've officially postponed the book deadline for about, I don't know, maybe six weeks, <laughs> hopefully, in fact, we'll get to uh, meeting that deadline. So that's the story, folks. Uh, we'll do a little bit more later on. We actually have some special guests who are going to be visiting us this morning here at JM and AM. So we'll do the usual balance of uh, special guests, special segments, and fundraising and ask everybody to join the 432 donors who've already committed to our 40th anniversary campaign and give and give generously. It's uh, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Be as uh, generous as you can. And um, I will try to thank some of the more recent donors a little later on during this show. And if you're in Natanya for Shabbos, if you're in Natanya for Shabbos, well, not you, but anybody else who might be in Natanya, head on over to the Siegel home and say, Mazal Tov to the Chatan Yehuda. And say Mazal Tov to um, the Borowski family on the new edition. And say Mazal Tov to Yigal Siegel for uh, being part of the amazing backbone of activity that helps JM Nam and the Nahum Siegel Network continue to go forward every And don't season. forget Mazalto to Rivka Siegel on her 37 years of being married to me, which she deserves a medal for, but we'll put 29. No. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to hold back about just how amazing an accomplishment <laughs> that is for, Rabba, for Rabbanit Rivka Segal. Uh, no one knows better than you now, that's for sure. <laughs> I think uh, I think that's how Living to Hillam came about. Because once she, <laughs> she, she, she married Yigal, she said, the only way I'm going to get through this is with a daily, a daily dose of to Hillam. <laughs> daily? <laughs> it's more than daily. Hourly? It's hourly. Hourly, yes. <laughs> How many, no. how, many, uh, how many states and countries are represented 
when Rabbanit Rivka Segal gives one of her shiurim in Tehillim from Natanya this week? Oh my gosh. Um, that's a very good question. I mean, it's, it's mostly states. Definitely there, you know, there's, there's definitely different places in Israel that tune in through zoom, but, uh, um, there are several, there are a lot of states. Has she ever heard from, has she ever heard from a student outside of the United States or Israel? Yes. Australia. She had a group in Australia for a couple of years that she was teaching. But uh, besides that, on an ongoing basis, she gets emails all the time from people who discover her books or discover her stuff online. It's uh, extremely rewarding. She's doing a great job with it. How does she react when she walks into a Judaica store and she sees her book on the shelf? Uh, I don't know. That's a question for her, really. Uh, I know I'm extremely happy, but... I'm more active when I don't see the book on the shelf and I go to the bookstore owner and say, excuse me, where's uh, Living Tell by Rivka Segal? <laughs> yes, let, let, let's just say when Yigal Siegel sees the book on the shelf, he says to himself, all right, I'm doing a good job, Baruch Hashem. <laughs> uh, but I don't know how Rabbanit Rivka Segal reacts, but we'll find out one of these days. So there you have it, folks. Happy anniversary to Rivka uh, Segal and uh, her uh, wonderful husband, uh, Yigal Segal. And uh, Mazal Tov to everybody celebrating Smachot. And a big thank you to everybody who has responded over the last couple of days with uh, Mazal Tov wishes for our family. Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Hara. And we should continue to celebrate Smachot together. People are pointing out to me that um, they remember... Stacy and my Sheverbrachas on the air. And now we're grandparents. Wow. They remember when I when I announced my engagement to Stacy on the air. And now we're grandparents. It goes by very quickly, uh, Yigal. I don't know if you know this or not. Let me give you a little life lesson since I'm so much older than you. I have so much more life experience than you. Um, yes, you do. It goes by, it, although you did get married and had kids before I did and grandchildren before I did, but all right, let's, you know, this is radio. Let's, you know, let's paint the picture here. Um, I'm very, very experienced at life, much more than you youngins, Yigal. And let me tell you, yeah. it goes by very quickly. I hate to be that guy. I hate to be that old man. I hate to be that grandpa, that Saba, that now has turned into a... It goes by very quickly, kids. Oh, Binyamin. Binyamin, today was the bris of your son. And let me just tell you, tomorrow he'll be bar mitzvah. And the day after that, he'll be, you'll be walking him down to the wedding. What do you mean, Dad? The bar mitzvah's in 2037. I said, yeah. That's what I said to myself in 2005 when Gavri was born. I said, okay, Baruch Hashem, the bar mitzvah's not till 2018. Then, you know, you blink your eyes mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it's 2018. So, Yigal, you being uh, from the youthful end of our audience, because you are so much younger than me, let me uh, let me just give you a little heads up. It goes by very, very quickly. Thank you for that sound advice, Malcolm. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, does it go I'm going to tell Risky to say something dumb for you. <laughs> Yes, ask her to slow things down a bit. I, I want. Oh, we should ask her of the 150 chapters of Tehillim, which passage from right. which chapter 
would help me in this case, would indicate, oh, if only life was a bit slower. Did David HaMelech ever have that sentiment? I wonder. I wonder if he wanted to slow things down a bit. I wonder if he ever felt that it's just going by a little too quickly. I wonder. Um, I don't know why I'm thinking that there is something like that. And I'm wondering if she's there listening are, right there now. Are, there are a lot of psukim <laughs> that deal with time, right? There are a lot of psukim that deal with time. Oh, so uh, Rabbi Rivka Segal says, Oh, of course, of course, of course. Uh, I'll tell Thank you. Thank Rivka Segal. Leave it to David Amelech. <laughs> Leave it to David Amelech. Obviously, he had a an appropriate pusuk. Obviously. Wow. All right. Uh, Yigal, have a wonderful Shabbat. Yeah, not much more time to prepare, so uh, thank you, Nach. Tell the Chatan, <laughs> but, uh, tell the Chatan to please, yes. please not arrange a wedding date without checking with my executive assistant because, after all, I mean, I, I would assume he wants me at the wedding, I would guess. I mean, you know, come on. You know, he and I go way back. He and I have a special bond, a special relationship. So please let That's him know. Correct. Let him know that we must coordinate calendars before we establish a wedding date. Please, I'm begging you. And which executive assistant exactly is he being in touch with? Avrami, <laughs> of course. Oh, Avrami. Okay, I thought you meant me, but okay. <laughs> oh yeah. By the way, you can step into that role for this if you wish, <laughs> as long as you do. Oh, thank you so much. As thank lo- you. As long as you do my bidding for me, there are there are certain dates over the next few months that are better than others. If you'd like me to uh, send you a list. <laughs> Well, listen, based on the video that we received yesterday of the naming of Yitzhak Zev Segal, or Siegel, I'm not sure how you call him, um, it, it sounds like if you would want to be part of the wedding ceremony from America without a microphone, it probably we probably would be able to uh, hear you over here. Wow. <laughs> based, That's an idea. Based, based on what we heard yesterday. That's an idea. Whoa. I didn't think it was loud enough, but whatever. Uh, maybe it's the cough that was hindering me a bit. Anyway, enjoy Shabbat Natanya Mazaltov to the Chatan and the entire family. Thank you very much, sjbunity.org, sjbunity.org. Shabbat Shalom from Natanya.
is as we discuss Nar Haisi. Yep, that is the Pusuk of the day. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web, and AlchemSingle.com, and the AlchemSingle Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Kali Tzal in the background, to our news from Israel coming up, and plenty more, of course. Harry Rothenberg and Rabbi Yudin on the um, Parshas Truma. Oh, I wonder who that is in the background. Interesting. Candle lighting at 511 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are in this era of Shabbos Parsha's Truma. Again, candle lighting 511 in New York. Galaitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast is next. Boker Toe from Jam and Amp. גליצה לשעה שתיים באולפן ערן קורץ עם מה שקורה עכשיו. פיגוע הירי בצומת ראם. שני הרוגים ועוד ארבעה פצועים, בהם שניים במצב קשה ועוד שניים במצב בינוני, בפיגוע ירי בצומת. כל הפצועים פונו לבתי החולים אסותא באשדוד וקפלן ברחובות, בהם גם שני ההרוגים. ברכבו של המחבל נמצאה תעודת זהות של תושב מחנה הפליטים שועפאט במזרח ירושלים. ועל פי מספר עדויות המחבל התחפש ליהודי וחבש כיפה לבנה. מנהיג האופוזיציה הרוסי אלכסיי נבלני מת בכלא בגיל 47, כך הודיע היום שירות בתי הסוהר של רוסיה. בהודעת השירות נכתב כי נבלני איבד את הכרתו היום לאחר שחש ברע בעת שיצא להליכה. באוגוסט 2020 אושפז בבית החולים לאחר שזוהו בגופו סימני הרעלה, שמאוחר יותר התברר כי... הורעל בעקבות גז עצבים. זמן לאחר, קצר לאחר מכן נעצר במוסקבה וב-2021 נידון למאסר בכלא הרוסי. מהקרמלין נמסר כי סיבת המוות של מנהיג האופוזיציה אינה ידועה. בידת מינכן לביטחון, מיכל הרצוג, רעייתו של נשיא המדינה, תשתתף בעוד שעה וחצי בדיון שיעסוק באלימות מינית כנשק ברקע הפשעים המיניים שביצעו מחבלי חמאס במתקפת הטרור ב-7 באוקטובר. כתבנו המדיני יניר קוזין מוסר כי אם נחיתתו במינכן המשיך הנשיא לפגישה עם נשיא גרמניה פרנק וולטר שטיינמאייר בברלין, הרצוג ייפגש גם עם סגנית נשיא ארה״ב קמלה האריס. מזג האוויר, בצפון הארץ יורדים כעת גשמים מלווים בסופות רעמים. בהמשך היום החל לרדת גשם מקומי במרכז הארץ ובדרומה. בחרמון ירד שלג, הטמפרטורות נמוכות מהרגיל לעונה. ואלה זמני כניסת השבת, פרשת תרומה בירושלים ב-4.46, בתל אביב ב-5.07 דקות, בחיפה ב-4.56, ובבאר שבע תיכנס השבת ב-5.08 דקות, ואלה זמני צאת השבת מחר בירושלים ובחיפה ב-6.03 דקות, בתל אביב. ובבאר שבע תצא השבת מחר בשש וחמישה. לכל מאזיננו שבת שלום. אלה החדשות. Shabbat Shalom 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 
in the AM, that's Lachad Odi, and before that, Vishamru from the group, <coughs> excuse me, Except Saturday, here a few years ago. Avrami says he was in a band years ago that was in the YU Battle of the Bands. Did I MC that night? I did YU Battle of the Bands one year in the late 2000s, maybe 06, 07, something like that. Uh, one of their opponents, he says, was Except Saturday. He says, I think they were better, but we ended up winning. A lot of people were upset that we won. That's hilarious. That's our very own Avrami. Avram, you're a winner, as we always point out. JM and the AM, good morning. Don't forget, we're in the final day of our 40th anniversary campaign, fjbunity.org, asking everybody to support us for yet another year. fjbunity.org, please be generous. There's a lot of things that we are doing this morning that are emblematic, perfect, um, Perfect representations of what we do on a daily basis. Today, Harry Rothenberg and Rabbi Yudin with their Divrei Torah, with their Torah portion of the week discussions. Malcolm Holmline will be on with the weekly update. We have a special guest coming in, someone who is described to us as a Jewish hero, who we're going to be meeting later on. So again, um, if you're able to, support us to whatever degree you can. FJBUnity.org. Again, that's FJBUnity.org. And we can't thank you enough. Thank you for your generosity. Uh, I want to thank those who are commenting on the app. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Nachum and Mazel Tov. Klops92 says, thank you for that. Judy Landy checks in with an error of Shabbos wish and a Mazel Tov wish as well. Listener Tikva, of course, Boker Tov, Mazel Tov, and Shabbat Shalom. Listener Sandy asks everybody to daven for Shalom Avraham ben Peshalea. Shalom Avraham ben Peshalea. Chaya says, Mazal Tov on the arrival of your grandson. Happy birthday, and here's to another 40 years. Yeah. Amen to that. Chapter 90 of Tehillim, according to this listener, 
Chapter 90 of Tehillim have Sukkim that discuss the passage of time in life. Nice. Thank you for that. Thank you very much for that, in fact. Let's see here. Um, it's amazing how you can bring up anything on the internet immediately. Let's see. Chapter 90. Ah, Tefillah Lamoshe Ishoelokim. Wow. For a thousand years are in your eyes like yesterday, which passed, and a watch in the night. Ki elef shanim beinecha, ki yom etmol ki avor, balayla. Wow, that's a good one. Wow. Thank you for that. Thank you very much for that. Jam and the AM, again, fjbunity.org, final day of our campaign, fjbunity.org. Org, uh, and please be as generous as you possibly can. Uh, we're going to go to, <coughs> excuse me, we're going to go to Harry Rothenberg. As you know, Fridays in the seven o'clock hour, he treats us to some words about the current Torah portion. This week it's Parshas Truma. Candle lighting time in New York is five eleven. Make sure you know when things start where you are. But we're five eleven in New York on this erev Shabbos. Parshas Truma. It's a big weekend, by the way. A lot of people might be away already because President's Day is on a Monday. So it's possible that some people are already away um, on their on their um, President's Weekend vacation, their President's Weekend break. Yeah, could be. Harry Rothenberg's uh, words are dedicated for a Rafur Shlema for our dear friend Ruchama Chana Etel Baschava. Ruchama Chana Etel Baschava. Harry Rothenberg on Parshas Truma. Again, Ruchama Chana Etel Baschava. Harry Rothenberg on JM in the AM. This week we get the blueprint for the Mishkan, the tabernacle. The most important item inside it was the Aram, the Ark that held the Torah and the tablets, the luchos. The ark was made out of three boxes. The inside one was made out of gold, the middle one was made out of wood, and the outside one was made out of gold. So if you look at the inside of the ark, you'd see gold. If you look at the outside, you'd see gold, teaching us that our inside should be like our outside. Both should be pure as represented by gold. However, if that's the lesson, why not make the ark out of pure gold like the menorah was made? then you'd also see gold inside and outside. Why do you need that inside middle wooden box? One commentator explains this to teach us that no matter how perfect someone looks, it's an illusion. No one's perfect. Dig deep enough through that gold and you will find wood, which is imperfections representing sins. But keep digging and eventually you'll get to an inner core, that inner golden box that's pure and incorruptible. That's the soul. Another commentator says no. Wood doesn't represent a negative. Think about it. Gold is wonderful, representing moral purity, but it's got a limitation. It doesn't grow. If it did, we'd take all our gold and plant it, and we'd all be wealthy. Wood from a tree represents growth and vitality, reminding us that you need both wood and gold. You have to constantly be growing and refining. Great lesson for parents and for teachers. Don't Put your students or your children into a box by giving them labels. That's the weak one. That's the lazy one. That's the nasty one. Or that's the nice one. That's the perfect one. That's the overachiever. 
You can put too much pressure on a child or a student or not enough. I heard a story once of a teacher who absolutely refused to look at the grades or the reports or to speak to teachers from the prior year, did not want to have any preconceived notions, did not want any labels of those students, wanted to meet each one and try to bring out the best in each one. And it's an important lesson for ourselves. Stop grading. Don't put yourself into a box. Don't assume that's where I am with respect to my religious or spiritual life. You can always grow. The Hall of Fame quarterback, Joe Namath, years ago wrote an autobiography. He entitled it, I can't wait until tomorrow because I get better looking every day. We can paraphrase that and use that as our mantra and say, I can't wait until tomorrow because I get better every day. Your spiritual story is not written until you take your last breath. There's always room for growth and refinement.
JM in the AM, Bezrat Hashem Nenatzeach, Ari Goldwagon Company here at JM in the AM. Before that, brand new Shmuley Unger with the song Deer Shoe here at JM in the AM. It's from his brand new collection. Good morning. Welcome to a Friday era of Shabbos. We'll do our weekly update coming up here at JM in the AM. We're in the midst of the final hours. Literally, it's going to end at candlelighting time here in New York. The final hours of our campaign for our 40th anniversary. If you haven't yet joined in, if you haven't yet become a uh, 
listener supporter of our 40th anniversary campaign, please do so now. Please do so now. If you haven't become a, uh, if you haven't become a, um, a donor, if you're not among the 433 donors that we have so far, please become one now. We're over 191,000, as Egal said earlier. In order to get to 200,000, we literally have to raise like under four grand today because everything's doubled. So please join us. Big thank you to Miriam and Lenny Halstuck. They've donated as a mazel tov on the birth of Yitzchak Zev. Much mazel and nachas and happy birthday, Nachum. Many more at Meyav Esther, Miriam and Lenny Halstuck. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. My sister and brother-in-law, Panina and Mark Rabin, a $200 donation. Esther Tevel says, I've been listening since you began, and I wish you continued Hatzlacha and much nachas from your beautiful mishpacha. Wow. Yisrael and Bela Gross, thank you. Marcia Steiglitz, thank you, Nachman and Nesen, for really being there for us. Thank you. Edna and David Goodman, thank you. Yaffa Hollander, thank you. Judy and Ari Levitan, in memory of Gladys and Ben Kopelman, <laughs> excuse me, in memory of Gladys and Ben Koppelman, who were avid listeners of JM&AM and great fans of Nachum. Oh, yes. I remember them well, and thank you to the Levitan family. Daniela Robinson, call like a vote for all the amazing work you do. Thank you so much. Neil Antman, thank you for your donation. Avi and Shani, my niece and nephew. Mazal Tov and all the recent Siegel Asimchas. Much continued Hatzlacha, Uncle Nachum. Thank you very much for that. Shami and Esti Sher, thank you. Felice Ackerman, dear Nachum, thank you for 40 years of service to the Jewish people and for being the best apple-picking father in MDS. Mara Felice, do you remember that? Do you remember that, Mora Felice? That is hilarious. Thanks for your donation. Thanks you. T- thank you to Shani Roseanne Burko. Thank you to our good friend Benji Berger. Big thank you to Jeremy Halpern and his family, to Phil Rosen and his uh, family. Phil says, in honor of my dear friend Nachum for all the great work you do for the Jewish people and Mazdav and the new baby boy. Thank you so much for that. A lot of people have given. Uh, Rabbi Marty Katz, thank you for that. Rabbi Yitzchak and Sharon Motechen, thank you. A lot of people have given uh, over the last couple of days as the campaign is starting to wind down, and I thank everybody who has participated. FJBUnity.org, FJBUnity.org. Please add to the 433 donors that have participated so far in the campaign. Malcolm Honeline is coming up, JM and the AM with a weekly update. He'll be coming up. Um... Got a note from listener Cena. Uh, a huge mazel tov, she says, to my Lakewood grandchildren, Hannah Miriam and Yehuda Rosen, who celebrated their sixth wedding anniversary Thursday. I can't believe it's been six years. Seems like only yesterday that Zadie, Olova Shalom, and I were dancing at your wedding. Hope you had a wonderful day. Wishing you a fabulous year number six and many more happy years together in good health. Wouldn't it be year number seven if they just celebrated six? Now we're in year seven, right? Yeah. I got listener Cena on a technicality. Wishing you a fabulous year number six and many more happy years together in good health till 120. Thank you for all the nachas from the munchkins, Ellie, Nachami, and Ezra with much love from Bubs. We know her as uh, listener Sina, who rumor has it today she is in the sunshine state. Can we confirm that? It's impossible to confirm anything with her. 
Um, you know, because you never know where she might be. But we're going to assume that that rumor is true, that she is uh, down in Florida at the moment. All right. JM in the AM, good morning all. Brand new, R.E.A. Kunstler. Hey, my brother, have you been? I've been thinking of you often. Cause I don't know where to be while you're out there battling for the survival of our nation. Just know I have you in my heart. Always with you, no matter how far. Looking towards a day when we'll celebrate me coming home. Achim
J.M. in the A.M. with uh, Yitzi Ackerman and Avarechacha. David Yifra had Kulanu Keachad, Achim Biachad, Dan Bayaye Kunstler, and um, Shlomo Lipman here at J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. It's uh, Parsha's Truma, candlelighting in New York, 511. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Again, 511 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Final day of our 40th anniversary campaign. If you have not yet supported JM and the AM over the last couple of months, please be generous today and join all of our hundreds of donors in keeping us going. It's fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. If you enjoy the weekly update each week, that's just one reason to contribute and help keep us going. Again, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and... We thank you. Don't forget, if you want to print out thousands of articles before Shabbos about Israel and the Jewish world, go to our friends at jewishworldreview.com, jewishworldreview.com. They will be instrumental in making your weekend even more educational, jewishworldreview.com. Malcolm Honline is in Israel, which always enhances our weekly update on the air. Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish organizations. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Great to be with you. Shabbos light candle lighting is 451 here. So you're right. You have to know it where, where you are. And it's uh, <laughs> and I'm looking forward to a great Shabbos in Yerushalayim again. And uh, many people here, thank God, many groups that are coming. People should uh, make sure to come. The, the hotels, uh, tourism industry, everybody needs it. But most of all, people of Israel and the people who come here, every one of them, just feels so good. And and you get to help and do chesed projects and go to the army guys and feed them. And whatever you do, believe me, it's life-affirming and changing for everybody who does it. So I encourage you, make a decision now. Come, 
come for three days, five days, whatever. A lot of shuls have groups here. I saw KJ and I, I met many Rabbanim who are here. Uh, it's really uh, the hotels are full the Shabbos. Have they been treating you nicely at the great synagogue in the heart of Jerusalem? They have no choice but to treat me well as the president. But we have a great Shabbos. Rabbi Steinmetz of KJ is speaking there this Shabbos. We have a Chazan uh, from the very good one coming in. And um, next Shabbos, we, we are dedicating to lone soldiers. And last Shabbos, well, Shabbos Yisro, actually, we had a Shabbos devoted to the Druze community. And 100 members of the Druze community, including their sheikhs, came down. They were so appreciative. They, they, uh, we had a lunch honoring them because, you know, many of them served. But they lost many of their sons in the war as well. And it's really, uh, it's, it was so rewarding, so amazing to see it. And every Shabbos, we, last Shabbos for Rosh Chodesh, we had the, the Chazan and the full choir and the packed shul, because uh, it's just such a beautiful davening. People don't realize how unique the Israel Defense Forces are. They don't realize the uh, variety of people who serve, uh, people from all walks of life who have this incredible affinity toward the land and the state of Israel. I don't think you could point to any other army in the world and find that type of unique combination. I think you're right. It's a, it's a good point to see how how it's an integrated force, but it's it's uh, why a lot of Israel's success is attributable to the to the army experience and that you know how people develop during the years they're there and the relationships they build. And but what's amazing is to see the spirit. People, young people who have injuries, some serious injuries, all they want to do is to go back. And many of them come back to their units, even if they can't fulfill the full role. Uh, my children, the Dorkins, sponsored a barbecue at uh, Urim Base, and it's just amazing. Hundreds of chayalim and chaylot came, and they made a big barbecue, but they were singing and dancing with chassidim, with the people who came down to, to, and everybody who sees it just walks away with renewed charge and appreciation. And so I'm saying, do it for yourself. Don't do it for them. Come in and and really be part of all of these amazing experiences, as difficult as things are. Today, there was a bad attack in the South. Two people were killed, a couple wounded, but thank God there was a guy there off duty, but had a gun and eliminated the terrorists immediately. And of course, you know, there were rockets in the North. Uh, so it's a time when it's especially important to come and show solidarity. You've been in Jerusalem and in Israel for a few days now. Have you had an opportunity to communicate with the prime minister? I have had a meeting with the prime minister, and we'll have another one. We'll see him Sunday again. Um, yes. Is there anything from that meeting this week that you could tell us? Is there anything that you can... Uh can report that would give us some uh, reassurance that Israel is being led in a positive manner at the moment? Well, first of all, I met with a number of the leaders and with others, and I'd say there's every reason to believe that they are working hard, that they have a clear vision, that they are under a lot of pressure, it's true, you know, both uh, in terms of the wars and in terms of the you know, like the decision to go, whether to go into Rafah or the, the what the continuing battle in Khan Yunus, and you know they've captured dozens of terrorists at the Nasir Hospital, and obviously they'll come under criticism, but you know a hospital loses its protective status, protected status, 
once it, it, it becomes a base for operations of, of terrorists. And here, clearly, the hospitals are being used, this one in particular, where a lot of um, uh, information has been found, some of it public, some of it not public yet. So I think the prime minister and the other ministers and people are want to get an end to the war. They want to see uh, an outcome with the return of the hostages immediately or, or sooner. And as you know, two were rescued in a remarkable operation, but many remain. And um, there were signs that they may have been kept at that hospital. There are uh, other reports, but they're not substantiated yet, whether they know or they, what they know and don't know. But the prime minister, I can tell you, is focused on it. He was not, uh, you know, distracted. He was. He, he discussed the very important issues, and uh, and I found it true of the others as well. People they want to know what's going on in America. They want to get a sense of, you know, the these demonstrations and the um, sometimes the questions. A lot of questions about where the administration is headed because of their push now on the Palestinian state issue on, and on other pressures on Israel, which obviously, you know, is very important for, for the United States. Israel relationship remains strong. The fact is the arms continue, the support continues. Congress remains supportive. The American people by and large remain supportive. Amongst young people, we have some problems, but there's so much ignorance, and you see it. And every time when they interview them, what river, what sea, what war, what thing, do you know what it means? It means the elimination of Israel, and they all look and say, oh, I don't want that. And they they have no clue. But but as we have found out more and more, and I've tried to see that information in the in the weekly briefings about some of the research and, and stuff that's going on, what we encounter, what we've uncovered in terms of foreign funding in our universities, in public high schools in New York City, and in kindergartens, where woke culture and woke curricula are, are utilized, and we're poisoning a generation. It, and it's largely ignorance, but so many propagandists have been brought to this country. You know, when, when these foreign governments, especially Qatar, give money, they get scholarships, packages of scholarships to give out. And, you know, we know that this country, that many people are infiltrating the country, many from Muslim countries who get involved in these activities, and some are sent for that purpose. And uh, I believe, you know, we, we, we have, uh, we're doing a lot, but a lot more has to be done. Yeah, no question about that. All right, let's uh, unpack some of the things you just listed and get into some details. What could you tell us about what happened up north? We're aware of the fact that there was a rocket attack on Svat. We know that Israel responded by actually going pretty deep into Lebanon. In fact, whatever details you have about that depth, I'd appreciate it. And that they did take out a pretty effective leader of Hezbollah. What could you tell us about the northern front? And does this week's activity now tell us that Hezbollah is really involved in the war? Or this is an isolated episode? It's not an isolated episode because there have been a series and they continue today. They fired on Kiyot Shimona. They've done a lot of damage. They hit a, a chicken farm and killed thousands of chickens, which is somebody's parnasa, somebody's livelihood. Um, and the fact that you have tens and tens of thousands of people who cannot return to their homes, who haven't been in their homes now for three, four months, who um, and there's been a there's been a lot of damage. Everybody talks about the damage done to Palestinian, uh, to, to uh, villages in Lebanon. And they don't talk about the damage done to the homes in Kiryat Shmona and other places in the north and the fact that they could hit Sfat as they did. And they hit a hospital and they uh, killed a young 
a soldier, a woman, 20 years old, uh, and wounded others. Uh, this is, uh, you know, an, a new front. Safat has not been under uh, attack lately. And uh, as you know, the tourism there is down as it is. Many of the stores are closed. Uh, again, a place that should be visited and supported by tourists who come here. But the situation in the North remains very tense. It, it's clear that they, if they wanted to jump into an all-out war, they would have done it. I think that that's still something that potentially they, meaning the Hezbollah, will do. It's also something that Israel may have to do, not because it wants it. It, it doesn't want to have a two-front war or a three-front war, but it, it will do what's necessary to protect citizens. And when they come under this kind of rocket effect, attack, when anti-tank missiles are used and fired and they're very deadly and they flow fly below the radar range for detection by, uh, let's say, Iron Dome, uh, it, it is even more. And, you know, all of this is in violation of the UN resolution, which resolved the last Lebanon war, where they're supposed to be north of the Latani River. And the UNIFIL troops are doing nothing to, to stop their activity, to stop the influx of, of weapons, and especially the precision guidance missiles, which they have now, and many of, and which they can direct at all sorts of sites, including uh, the offshore rig of Israel, or could hit as far as the Mona, they say. Uh, I think that that would be an escalation that would re would bring a response that uh, would be very broad, far more than what we see in, in uh, more immediate than what we see in uh, Gaza. Of necessity, but I, and and I think the hope is to to bring the in the next few weeks to reach some conclusions, meaning that they take action in where there, in Rafa where there are still four brigades of the nineteen that were established, four remain there, and you cannot leave them if they come out of this war standing up, marching in the streets, whips and at their says their head, Jordan will pay the price, Egypt will pay the price, Saudi Arabia, the UAE. Um, Bahrain, all of them will pay the price, Morocco, and all of, uh, friends of the United States, as well as Israel will. But they will pay, I think, even more immediate price for it. And they don't want to see an outcome where Hamas remains in any capacity. The problem is that you can't talk about a Palestinian state when there's no, no, there's no framework for it. Even if, even if you support it, you can't define it. You, can't, uh, you don't have any leadership. The, the PA, everybody rejects. And there's no infrastructure in Gaza now to take over. They had 20 years chance to do, to do it. So, you know, people approach this with such simplicity and throw out these terms as if they don't have consequence. Anything that appears to reward the, the vicious, barbaric terrorists of October 7th is a mistake. And it will be a price that the West, all of us, the United States, everybody will pay if they are able to walk out of this and show that you can get away with terror against the West. Instead of lining up behind the United States, I mean, when a country like South Africa, where they have 8 million children starving, and they talk about the starvation outside, they rape and, and, and crime is, uh, is astronomical, more, I think, than any other country. Uh, and, then, and yet they, they continue to pursue it. They, they went to the court again to, to try and get Israel uh, judged as being a violation for, for the attack in in Rafa, which was very targeted, very limited, and they're creating the safe corridor for people to get out. Is it sanitized? No, there's no way you can, pre you can prevent any civilian casualties. The United States doesn't avoid civilian casualties when we carry out some of the raids against the terrorists. No country in the world 
can be that precise. But there's no country that's not more precise and more careful than Israel. And the kill ratio reflects that. So it's a time when people have to be educated. You've got to inform yourselves. You've got to stop when you see these lies and distortions and misrepresentations to to get out there and respond to it. If Israel what would be you know, unlimited in its ability to respond, this war would have been much shorter. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Speaking of listener support, the final day of our 40th anniversary campaign. If you haven't become a supporter yet, go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. By the way, as an aside, you know where my son is spending, my youngest son is spending uh, Shabbat this Shabbat? He's in Sfat. And I am proud that we send them and I am proud that we send them to a yeshiva that carried through their plan for this Shabbat as opposed to what many would do, which would be to uh, alter the plan or cancel their plans because of what happened up north this week. So very Good proud. For them. Thank you for that. Yes, I am very proud of him and of them. Is there ever a transcript? Is there ever a third party listening? on these phone calls between the prime minister and the president? Well, they do do use secure lines. Uh, I was thinking, I was thought you were going to ask between our discussion. I hope there are people listening. (laughs) (laughs) Because I am so curious. I'm always curious, like any news follower is, about the content of these conversations. But in particular, when the press reports that it's a 40-minute conversation, no reason not to believe them. Someone's probably timing them, frankly. I'm so curious what, I'm, I'm so curious what the content is. It, it, well, is President Biden guiding Prime Minister Netanyahu on how to approach the, the subsequent days and weeks of the war? Is he chiding him that there's not more discussion about the Palestinian state that you just brought up a moment ago and basically came out uh, saying how ridiculous it is to even bring up that topic right now? Is that a dominant topic of these conversations? Is, is there some, you know, backdoor type activity where he's, you know, giving him some type of a pass on certain things privately, but publicly, you know, would never allow that to be revealed? Do we have a clue? What's in these conversations between the prime minister and president? Well, um, I think that they cover a wide range of subjects. Um, you know, Biden and, and Netanyahu know each other for a long time. It is it is true. It's a very tense relationship. There are a lot of things being uh, descriptions by Biden of Netanyahu on flattering ones that, of course, the media jumps on all the time. But the fact is, the United States is not pressing for a ceasefire. They are saying that they want humanitarian corridors. They want the the civilian deaths to be limited. Netanyahu wants the same thing. And he said publicly, he agrees with the U.S. about wanting to have some uh, venue, some way to, to get people out of Rafah. And uh, while Israel does what it has to do, there is talk that there is a sense that there's a deadline semi-deadline of the beginning of Ramadan, um, which is a period where the feeling is that there could be a lot more tension, especially in other Arab countries and in the West Bank, um, because people fast during the day, and it's uh, generally a period of uh, more excited action. They go to the mosque a lot. 
and of course can hear radical uh, imams. By the so, way, by the way, for uh, those for those curious, that date would be March tenth. It, it could be March tenth. It, it can vary by a day. It's it's like the Declaration of Rosh Chodesh. Uh, I always know before the, my uh, the Muslims I deal with about when it's going to come because I know when Rosh Chodesh is. They don't even they don't you know they they don't know the link, but it comes, but it changes every year. It's you know it moves a month because they don't have uh, a leap year um, correction, so it, it changes every year. Um, so the the discussions you know deal with number one, the, I think the the question of the status of the war and the civilian casualty issues, the uh, ICJ, and where the United States has stood with Israel strongly. Um, the International Court of Justice and the case of South Africans brought. Uh, the um, the aid package obviously is a very important issue and the administration is still pushing to give Israel $14 billion as part of that bigger aid package, which, you know, passed, uh, passes one house and then gets killed in the other. And the House has made clear that they're not going to move on the package that was passed. So it's been delayed but it's very vital that Israel continue to get the shipments. And most of all, that the, the message that goes out to the world, this is, as you know, a debate I had with President Obama in our first meeting, and it's been carried through many times and reported on, that the lesson of history is that there shouldn't be public daylight between the two countries because the enemies of both take advantage of it. And the message that goes to our, our allies in the region is if Israel can't rely on them, what chance do they have? And it's imperative that we project uh, a positive image. As you know, uh, um, Blinken, I think, has been in Israel six times. The President Biden himself came, and Jake Sullivan, National Security Advisor, has come off, and Amos Hofstein, uh, McGurk, all of the major players have been coming on a regular basis. And so there is ongoing communication. And as I said, they have not withheld uh, weapons. There is... There are some punitive measures, one involving four uh, people who live in Yudin Shamron and uh, who've been subjected to sanctions, which, uh, you know, uh, can have broader implications because the language of the sanctions, and I call this to the attention of your listeners, because right now it's downplayed, it's four guys, and they say, you know, okay, what does it really matter? Well, it matters a lot because you could have a broader interpretation that this could apply to anybody doing business in the West Bank. It could be applied to anybody who's interpreted as being, uh, as hampering what they see as the two-state solution or the, as the path to peace. Uh, so there are a lot of legal interpretations of this that are very important uh, of, of the sanctions um, move. And of course, they could always add more to it. Uh, so, you know, I, I mean, I think there are a lot of other countries that would come first if we're talking about those who obstruct, you know, the objectives of American policy and, and uh, of peace. Uh, I, I believe anybody with those crimes or in criminal activity should be punished for it. But Israel has a good judiciary and they certainly have held people to account. I think now the subjects between the United States and Israel look to the, the broader issues uh, of the war, of all, all aspects of it, uh, especially what they want to press on, which is the day after. What is going to emerge and what plans Israel has for the day after? Yeah, I hear that. But By the way, going back to the Ramadan thing for a second, which is which would give Israel three weeks from now, um, it, it, just just for a moment, and I know, I know the answer. I know the answer because there are a lot of Arab countries and there's a lot of world opinion we have to be aware of and careful of. 
But it's outrageous that we, as a Jewish people, are attacked on Shabbos Shemidi Atzeres, which some might argue, by the way, is worse than Yom Kippur because of the preparedness level that the Israeli army was on, on Shemini Atzeres, uh, that Shabbos. And we are concerned about the possibility of doing something that would disrupt Ramadan. Now, again, I know the answer, but just, you know, for a moment, I think, you know, if we're on this side of the issue, we just need to take a pause and and process that for a moment because the well, lo- I don't think it's not it's not because of of the of the holiday or the celebration. It's because of the circumstances that obtained during that month. I'm saying beyond the point that you're making um, that that it's a heightened a time of heightened sensitivity and activity, and and you can easily get many people out into the streets. You know, people get up at noon and they you know till they eat at night and they have time and. It, it, it's a time of, of heightened tension, which and saying that this could be a danger then to other countries and to, to if you escalate it, that that is the point. Second, um, I think it's it's uh, you know Israel takes it into account as well. I think Israel wouldn't mind having a brief respite uh, to reorganize and and as you saw that they went back to war and were fresh. The troops are fresh, and I have to just say it again. The troops are ready. The people are willing to serve. People want to go. Familiam are ready to go back. So, so uh, we, we, so we should expect extreme activity in the next three weeks. We should expect, like last week when you and I discussed the strength of Israel being a direct uh, corollary. You didn't really agree with me, but whatever. I proposed this being a direct corollary about the possibility of a hostage deal and the deal being more generous to Israel's side, the stronger the military is. They have three weeks to pull this off. They have three weeks of what one would suspect, based on your speculation, is going to be increased activity in Gaza. Well, it's not a deadline. It doesn't mean that everything will stop. It uh, It is a target. <laughs> It is it is a sensitivity that uh, you know is very important um, uh, about about what, what uh, you take into account all of these factors when you plan a war. You, you look at everything, the food supply. You got to look at a, a million different issues. It's not just you know the military front. It's a complicated uh, complex of issues that you have to concern yourself with. I'm not saying that they should stop for Ramadan or. That if they're in the midst of an important battle, that they will. All I'm saying is that you ask about all the considerations and things that people are talking about. Those are uh, amongst things. But what did you say we disagreed about? Well, last week I said that the stronger Israel is militarily, the better a hostage deal they'll eventually get from the enemy. Your response, instead of acknowledging that, and not a criticism, meaning that your response analytically was that you felt that the enemy is so confused in general when it comes to the hostage deal that it's almost irrelevant how hard Israel is hitting them. That they just they could they they they, they we cannot uh, understand how difficult it is for them, meaning the enemy, to to sit down at a negotiating table and come up with a uh, an acceptable deal. No, they could very easily get Sinwar to to give up the other leaders to give themselves up. You'd have a ceasefire in 10 minutes and all the hostages had to be returned. It, it, that my point was about the, uh, the hostages. It's not something that people have any say in. It's only a limited number of the leaders who will have any say. And they claim they don't control everybody. And the two guys who were released, thank God, uh, with this remarkable action, were in an apartment. And some of them were being held by private citizens. I mean, they gave them out and they you know, distributed them. So my, my point was that it's not something that necessarily can be just dictated 
and that you know, the, and the leaders want this protection because the Sinwar surrounds himself. We're told with hostages as a protection against you know a raid or you know a, a, an action to kill him. How does because, how um, does the average Palestinian in Gaza? How do they react when they see these videos of him escaping with his family and being protected by these tunnels and basically abandoning, you know, the people that have put a lot of faith in him? Does it does it create a resentment or are they frankly used to this type of behavior? Well, first of all, they're used to all of it. And the fact that I think many of them are rewarding um, the terrorists and saluting them and and expressing support and celebrating because to them you know it's a defeat of the enemy but at the same time they're paying the price and you hear more and more of the people in in um, gaza saying we're tired of this they're they're criticizing hamas they don't want to be subjected to all of the punishment and stuff because they say the hamas leadership lives in luxury in qatar or they saw the underground facilities in which they're living yeah. And they say, you know, we're suffering and they're benefiting. So it's not a decision that the average person has. Many of them have given information. People have been captured and others about the hostages and about uh, other things, which uh, some of it has been real, some not, uh, that they give information. But the, the people in Gaza today, I think, see the destruction. And people in Lebanon are putting a restriction because they don't want a full-out war. They don't want their villages destroyed. There was... An attack launched from one of the communities and in southern Lebanon, and it was badly damaged. And it's an important message to give to to the others that if you stop Hezbollah, then you know you won't. There's no reason to suffer. And they they do not want to see a war with Israel at this point. What the solution is: force Hezbollah back beyond the Latani River, as the original agreement demanded. Cleanse that area. Let the people in north move back. There has to be supervision, there has to be proper protections. But all of the promises, you know, when Israel made the deal and gave in to Lebanese demands uh, on the north about the the energy lines and, you know, for the, the rigs and all of the, the drilling, and so far, by the way, the drilling has gone nowhere, um, it, you know, Israel concedes each time. And it only ends up seeming to encourage the the, uh, the enemy to, to do more. We have to remember, you're not fighting an army when you fight terrorist groups, the rules are totally different. And even the line of command sometimes doesn't really work in effectively. And we heard, we've heard lately that the various leaders can't communicate with one another. So a lot of people are making a lot of decisions. What does it cost to build the data center that Israel found within the tunnels this week? A fortune. And the fact that, that you know UNRWA has been embarrassed now over and over again but this time, this command center with the data center was right underneath the, their headquarters, and the electricity was, heated, was was connected to them. So they were paying the electric bills for Hamas's command center. So let's see the denial there. And you saw that Israel is now not letting in and, and wants to close all the offices and says, let, let other UN agencies fill it. There are enough agencies serving the Palestinians, you know, half a dozen or so that could uh, could fill the void. Uh, UNRWA is corrupt, and it's it's clearly in cooperation. And by the way, you saw the stories about the Al Jazeera reporters. Again, for your audience, when you see the things about Israel attacked uh, an Al Jazeera correspondent, now they have two that they have clear evidence 
that they are Hamas operatives. Wow. Unbelievable. Um, what was the key to this incredible Sunday rescue operation? Because when you see the videos as a layman, as somebody who knows nothing about the military, you, you can't even understand how these two hostages could survive this type of attack and all the gunfire that was going on around them as all of this was happening. What was the key for Israel to pull off a successful hostage rescue? The courage of the guys who were there. Don't underestimate, I know you don't, but I'm saying people shouldn't underestimate what it means to go into that place, risk your lives to save the lives of others and to, to do it in as professional and effective a way as they did getting them out alive was really important to the families, to the individuals, but also as a message. And people think that Israel's army doesn't have its edge, etc. Nobody can believe, every military expert that I've spoken to, from not from Israel, says that the way they've exercised this the, the uh, battle is the most professional probably of any army in the world. And that they even keep the you know restricting the number of civilian casualties more than any other similar battle. Unreal. The last time that Israel was in Gaza to any extent with a ground troop presence, how far did they get in? I'm I'm asking this question in reference now to Rafa because if you look at a map. Israel is really ha- has taken control of every, you know, serious place in the Gaza Strip where you'll find terrorists, terror operations, tunnels, etc. Looks like they have the entire thing covered. In 2014, for instance, what was the furthest that Israel got into the Gaza Strip? I'd have to go back and look at a map, but they got pretty far in, and and it depends on what targets they pick. You know, as as much as Gaza is seen as a small area, it's dense, densely populated, although not the most densely populated. London is more densely populated. All, Manhattan is, is densely populated. You know, this, these myths that get created, right. and you think that everybody's just jammed into one, where they call it an open-air prison. If it is an open-air prison, it's because of Hamas, not because of Israel. Yeah. And it isn't true that food doesn't get in. There are 500 trucks waiting to go in. And it's it's the UNRWA people who are not driving the tra- transferring the stuff uh, expeditiously into the into it. And then they but, but is, is it uh, safe to say they never got near Rafa in any of these? No, they, obviously they were near Rafa before. But Egypt controls the Rafa crossings, and Egypt, as you know, blew up a lot of uh, tunnels along that border, and that. Uh, the, the it's very sensitive, and as you know, Egypt threatened. There were people who threatened to break the Oslo Accords, and that, of course, backed off of it. And Israel is taking into court what, what is Egypt's real agenda. They're afraid that the Palestinians will cross the border and, and, and flood into into uh, Egypt, like our southern border. And they're building, they're building a fence or a wall. They're building something then. They, they have built, uh, built and now they've reinforced uh, uh, the fence along the border, but they also brought up tanks and uh, armored vehicles because they're not going to let them, you know, walk in and, and get through the, the border areas. So it's, um, uh, you know, it, so that's what makes it sensitive uh, with the Egyptians. But I think Israel has assured them they're not going to do those things. And, um, um, I, I, and I think uh, that's why it's quieted down. Malcolm, hostage deal this week or not? What do you think? Mm. Well, this week, Alavaya, which will be in, in the next 10 minutes, but 
I don't think it's likely. Uh, I think there's still very complicated things. Israel didn't send the delegation to Cairo. The Hamas is, has rejected it. They're asking for extraordinary numbers of prisoners to be released. I think Israel is not going to repeat the Shalit deal, you know, in releasing 1,500, 2,000. Including Sinwar, right? Uh, Wasn't he in that deal? Sinwar was in that deal, yes. And they want Barbudi out, they a lot want of, others out. A lot of weight on the soldiers. A lot of weight on the uh, on the leaders of Israel. A lot of weight on their shoulders. And, 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 and people who jump, you know, everybody tells me, that this guy's finished, that guy's finished, we're going to, you know, uh, analyzing Israeli politics well, is very complicated. Yeah. I still maintain I he, I, I, I still maintain he should have resigned October 8th, but we could d- debate that forever, but whatever. Uh, nobody could do a worse job than he's been doing. But again, I know that I'm speaking to somebody who who feels he's doing a decent job. So we, we don't have to debate that now. It's not, I'm not I'm not in a position to evaluate it, nor are you. You you can have your impression about what happened, and and there will be a lot of heads that will roll. The head of the Shinbet, the head of the Mossad, the head of the army, the head of other things. Everybody says all of them will will have to go. But you don't do that in the war. You got to wait till after the war and then address it, and there'll be investigations. But doesn't but doesn't modern but risks. doesn't modern Israeli history tell us that you do do it during the war? Doesn't it tell us that leadership that feels they need to be replaced does act? It's a decision each individual has to make. But look at look at the balance right now. It's very hard to see what would replace it. You know, again, people are making the argument both ways and many other ways. And there are those who are against Bibi before, and the country was divided. You know, for a year with the demonstrations, they came together after October seventh. They are going to move again to political divisiveness because it's the nature uh, of Israel and the political system here. But I, I hope that we can retain a lot of the spirit that, that has been created over the last uh, 120, 30 days. It's really remarkable. It still uh, holds by and large, but it's it's you're right. It will break down, and, and Netanyahu, as the head of government, bears ultimate responsibility. Yeah. But the investigations will, will determine. Have a wonderful Shabbos in Jerusalem. We'll speak, please, God, next week. God willing. And uh, Jerusalem misses you, and the Imbal Hotel misses you. <laughs> so you got to come soon. <laughs> but Mazel Tov on, on your grandson's birthday. We need all the new Jews we can get and the Jews to come here. And I still say there will be a huge aliyah after this war is over from globally and even from America. Well, I love that prediction. Thank you for that. Malcolm Honline, Conference of Presidents. Major American Jewish organizations. We're in the final day of our 40th anniversary campaign. I got to thank Greg Bernhardt. Thank you, Nachum, for years of devotion and top quality broadcasting for the uh, Jewish community. Thank you, Sarah Franklin. Thank you to uh, Southern Safta Ray. I listen to you every day. Thank you for your myriad of announcements and shiurim from the Southern Safta of Atlanta, Georgia. Shabbat Shalom and happy birthday. Thank you for that, Avi and Debbie Levitt. From WFMU in East Orange all the way to the app that uh, reaches Boca, and Atlanta. Wow, we have a lot of Atlanta people. Continued strength for years to come. Thank you very much for that. Um, much appreciated. Uh, Betty and Jack Schloss, thank you. Um, Mimi and Yehuda Seer. Um, I have a feeling that that was supposed to be Seif. Mimi and Yehuda Seif, thank you very much. She, they write, thank you for always being there. Um, where it's 439 donors. I'd love to get to 450, 500. If we can get to 450 today, that'd be amazing in honor of the 40th anniversary. Already at 439 donors. Please be generous. Please be generous. $192,000, as Egal pointed out earlier, less than $4,000 away from 200,000 because we have a doubling matching campaign that's still 
in play. So if we raise just under $4,000 today, we will have gotten to that brand new $200,000 goal. <laughs> That's our brand new goal. Uh, this time each every Friday, every er, oh, go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Candle lighting in New York, 511. Make sure you know when things start where you are. This time each and every Friday, every hour of Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader emeritus, congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Truma. With Parshas Truma, we begin the last part of the book of Shmos, five parshios devoted to the construction and the details of the sanctuary, the Mishkan, that was built in the desert, the traveling sanctuary. And let's understand something. Let's go back to the Ramban in his introduction to the book of Shmos. The book of Shmos, he tells us, is called the book of Geula, redemption. And while we could have thought that once we left Egypt and once we received the Torah at Sinai, we were, quote, redeemed physically and spiritually, the Torah is teaching us, says the Ramban, that no, not until we brought the Shekhinah, God's presence, literally into our midst. And Shekhinah from the word Shachei neighbor, that look who moved in literally to our community. It was only at that time that we reached the stage of being Geulim, that we were finally redeemed. According to the Shekhinah, there are three mitzvos in the book in Parshas Truma, two positive and one restriction. The first positive mitzvah 95 is the mitzvah to build a bayis Lashem, a house for God, the Mishkan, and the purpose of this Mishkan the Chinuch follows his Rebbe, the Rambam, and tells us is one, to bring korbanos. Number two, it be a place where all Israel gathers for the purpose of Aliyah the Regal, celebrating the three pilgrim festivals at the Mishkan. I'd like to share with you an interesting perspective of how to appreciate the Mishkan. Rav Soloveitchik, Sechet Sadek Levracha, suggested an interesting approach, and that is that Hashem is giving us the privilege to host Him. Now, Rav Soloveitchik suggested that what is Hachnosas Orachim? Literally, welcoming and tending to the needs of guests. So he turned to the second book of Kings, chapter 4, which is the Haftorah for Parshas 
Vayera, and there we are told that a righteous woman from the city of Shunam recognized, realized that the Navi, Elisha, was a holy man, a prophet of Hashem, and she said to her husband in verse 10 of chapter 4, let us make for him a attic and will place there mita, a bed, shulchan, a table, kisei, a chair, and menorah, a light, and when he comes to our community, he will go there. So we see, pointed out the Rav, the true hachnosas orchim is comprised of these four elements, the bed, the table, the chair, and the menorah. And I'd like to follow in that direction and suggest that these four elements are found in the Mishkan. And once again, what is the Mishkan? His giving us the opportunity to host Him. So let's begin. What does the Mita, the bed, represent? So clearly, the first of the Caleb special furniture that was found in the Mishkan was the Aron, the Ark. Now the Ark represents the bed, which represents intimacy, because the Ark represents the intimacy between Hashem and the Jewish people. Atop the Ark, we are taught are the Kruvim, and the Kruvim, we know, our rabbis tell us, the word Kruv means a youngster, and the two Kruvim had wings that were extending upward, showing that man constantly has to rise, but the faces of the Kruvim were that of two young children, a boy and a girl. And the Kruvim were a means of gauging the closeness between Hashem and the Jewish people. Namely, when things were good, the Kruvim were hugging each other. When things unfortunately were not good, in the sense that we were not following his laws and bringing him honor and credit, then the two Kruvim literally had their backs to each other. So one of the many miracles that took place in the Mikdash was the Kruvim as the barometer between God and the Jewish people, the level of intimacy between them. Moreover, what was in the Ark? We, we know the Luchos, the Luchos, the tablets that the first set that Moshe unfortunately, well, I take that back, that Moshe broke, and the second set, which Moshe brought the stones up to Hashem, but the luchos are representative of the Torah, 
And the Zohar tells us that Kuchibricha, Hashem, Yisrael, the Jewish people, and Orisa and the Torah are Chad Hu. They are one. So again, the Ark represents the Mita, the bed, the intimacy and closeness between Hashem and the Jewish people. Next, after the Mita, comes the Shulchan, the table, and the table is that which we serve the guest food. Here, clearly, Hashem doesn't need our food, but the Shulchan represents our giving to Him. As the Gemara says in Rosh Hashanah 16a at the bottom, our giving Him enables Hashem to bestow bracha on the Jewish people. We provide for Him. In other words, for the Kohanim who ate the showbread, the showbread, the lechem hapanim, as found in this week's parsha, are to be before God, tomid, constantly, baked fresh on Friday, placed on the shulchan, Shabbos morning, they stayed fresh till the following Shabbos, and they were eaten at Shabbos afternoon, Shalashudas, Shalosh Seudos, by the Kohanim, half by the Kohanim who were leaving their tour of duty, having spent a week in the Beis Amigdash, serving in the Beis Amigdash, and the other half by the Kohanim coming in to the Beis Amigdash, starting their week of service. We, Hashem says to us, provide for me the low, 12 loaves, and I, in turn, will bless your sustenance and provide for the financial needs and support of the Jewish people. The next of the accoutrements in the Beis Hamidosh was the Kisei, which we'll get back to in a moment, and then comes the menorah. The menorah represents not only, because after all, v'chila ora hutzorech, does God need our light? Certainly not, but the menorah represents wisdom, clarity, and this wisdom and clarity emanated from the Mishkan, from the Beis Hamigdash, whereby we know we are taught in Bahaloscha, seven branches. The middle branch represents that of Torah, and the other six branches face the middle one, teaching us, says the Vilna Gaon, that all wisdom emanates from the Torah. The Ramah quotes a medrash 
whereby Plato, the philosopher, found Eliyohan, excuse me, Yirmiyahu Hanavi mourning for the first Besamigdash. So he comes to him and says, Why are you crying over these Eitzim and Avonim, over these wood and stone, just a building? So Yirmiyahu says to Plato, Ask me some of your difficult philosophical issues. The philosopher does, and Yirmiyahu answers each one. And the philosopher is amazed. How did you get this wisdom? And he answers, the wisdom that I have comes from these Eitzim and Avonim. The Beis Hamikdash represents the foundation of ultimate wisdom which emanated therefrom. And finally, the Kisei. The Kisei represents the utilization, I'd like to suggest, the implementation, the practical usage of the Mishkan. Namely, you can't use the table without a chair. There's a functioning Mikdash, and the functioning Mikdash is followed and done through the Karbanos. So the chair represents the third of the Kalim found in the Heichal. There's the Menorah, there's the Shulchan, and there's the Mizbeach Hazav, as well as which incense was offered on each day. And finally, the outer Mizbeach, where Kabanos were brought. So together, once again, we have the privilege of hosting Hashem, and through these four kalim, we maintain that special privilege of bringing His Shechina into our community. I'm just going to uh, conclude with a fascinating insight. As we began with the Rav, we'll end with the Rav. At the beginning of Parshas Vayera, the Torah says that Hashem appears to Avraham, and he was sitting, Yoshev, outside his tent when Avraham sees the three men who we know were angels. And what does he uh, attempt to do? Like any good host, Avraham wants to stand to greet his guests, to greet the Shechina. Rashi brings the teachings of our Chazal. Hashem says to him, sit. You sit, and you are a sign for future generations that what? That in your house, you are not the host. You are not the Balabas in your house. Ultimately, I, says Hashem, I am the Balabas, and therefore you sit and the Balabas stands. Wow. Once again, putting things in the right perspective. 
So just as the Jewish people were privileged to host Hashem through the Beis Amigdash, which is the source of meeting between Hashem and the entire nation, each and every one of us is to aspire that our personal homes should emulate the Beis Amigdash. As the Gemara says, for example, in Kedushan 31a, that if a child honors his parent, then God feels welcome in that home. And if, unfortunately, the child does not, Hashem says, I have to leave. I cannot rest my Shekhinah in such a home. The more Shalom bias we have in our home, the more we have respect for our parents and the elders, the more we're privileged to bring Hashem into our homes to fully implement the Asuli Mikdash, Vishachanti, and I will dwell not only in it, but more important, in them. Shabbat Shalom to all. JM in the AM, thank you, Rabbi Yudin. Shabbat Shalom is right. Parshas Truma, candle lighting at 511 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Well, the total keeps going up, and Dr. Joe Rosazada said to said to me, he has to be here on the final day of our fundraiser because he has to tell people why they should donate. But I don't even know if I need Joe's help because, frankly, look what people have done in the last few minutes. We've gotten up to 442 donors. Lori Mermelstein, thank you, Lori. Great to hear from old friends, and thank you so much for still listening, and thank you so much for taking enough pride in this show and this network to donate. Thank you very much. Devaralea Klar, thank you to the Klars. Nachum, to the Klars, you are always the bright-eyed 18-year-old joining us at Cafe Devora. You don't remember Cafe Devora, do you? I don't remember it, but I was... You were still in Iran when we were doing Cafe Devora, right? I guess so. Was there a Jewish cafe in Tehran or not? <laughs> no. No? Not at all. Um, I'm in one of those moods, Joe. Okay, I'm in one of those good, moods. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. I'm in one of those I moods. I like it. I like it. We're going to talk about all the Jewish youth I groups like that it. went on in Tehran <laughs> on Shabbos Day. No problem. We're no going to talk about all the fun you kids had <laughs> in the old country. Yep. Uh, it was fun growing up there, wasn't it? It's fun enough, fun enough to go through a desert to get out. That's <laughs> how fun it was in Absolutely. Tehran. It Absolutely. was so much fun that your parents figured out a way for you and your brother to escape. I tell you my fun day, day in the morning when the they were trying to like beat us and run after us. And then, oh, we said, you know what, now we're going to have to get back to them. So let's go ring the bell and run away. And we got them. And we felt it so good. We it felt worked. so good that we did something. It, it, it ruined their day, right? It ruined That's their what we day. Thought. That's what we thought. That uh, was the fun. I tell you. Unbelievable. Yeah. How many kosher sushi bars were in Tehran? <laughs> like you'd walk into, let's say you'd walked into the kosher pizza shop in Tehran. They have a sushi bar as well, or they just limited themselves to kosher pizza? Absolutely not. We, we didn't, I didn't even know what pizza was, I'll be honest with you. They don't have pizza in, no. in Iran. No, no. So the first pizza shop you ever saw was the Jerusalem restaurant Jerusalem on Almora restaurant. Avenue. Absolutely. That was the, and they Absolutely. welcomed you there. They did. They, did. they said, that's did. the kid from Tehran. Aryeh was such a good person. Aryeh really. was a very good person. Yeah, I hope yeah, he's yeah. doing well. He yeah, is a yeah. very good person. Yeah, yeah. A lot of memories there on Elmore Avenue. Good heart. Good heart. Yeah. 
Was that the first time you saw a uh, a video machine, a pinball machine? It's so funny. <laughs> the next door to it, there was a why not next door? It was, in, it was in the shop. No, no but next oh, door, the they, they also, seating area, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, they right. also, yeah. Matis, Matis beat that machine a million times. <laughs> a million times he beat that machine. Anyway, uh, Nachum, as we got into the subject of Cafe Devora, uh, when Mashiach arrives, you and your Aishas Chayel will be in the front row to greet him. Um, Halavai, Tekef Umiyad, Mamish, Mamish, Mamish. In order to get a front row seat, first of all, you're a Kohen. So to get a front row seat, I'll probably have to, again, use your connection. <laughs> no. Maybe StubHub will have good seats. I don't know. But if not, I'm going to have to go to Rosazada route. That's number one. And secondly, Joe, you think that these uh, wishes will come true? You think I'll be near, near the front? when, the, when You think so? Absolutely. I hope Absolutely, so. Absolutely, 100%. You know, I think All about it. 40 years, every day we're praising Hashem. Every day we're thanking God for Israel. Every day we're thanking God for our Jewish lives. With all the jokes and all the fun we have here, Every day we're getting up and saying Modani with the whole world. Absolutely. I told you this last time I was here. I'm telling you, I knew about Israel prayed from right. your station. Right. I knew a lot of what's happening in the world or in the Jewish world from you. I'm telling you. And, you know, amazing, amazing job you've done. I appreciate that. Gloria Rappaport, 20 times high. Mazel tov. So much enjoy your show. Shabbat Shalom. If you want to give, now's the time, folks, because there's only, well, let's see. There's um, there's eight hours and 13 minutes left to the campaign, which really means, according to Joe Rosazada, era of Shabbos time, it's about eight hours and 30 minutes, right? <laughs> Joe would allow you to give after candle lighting if you make it before sunset, because that's what his Friday is typically like. Crazy. Does Rabbi Cohen know that about you, that your Friday is typically like that? He does. He, he does. knows that Friday is a very compact day for you. Yes. Yeah. For you to be sitting, look how you're, you're sitting here on edge. For you to be sitting here on a Friday, it's like, it's so difficult for you. Anyway, fjbunity.org. Dr. Joe Rosazada has brought us a special guest who I just found out has a connection to our beloved Camp Masora. Let's hear it for Camp Masora up in Guilford, New York. You still haven't visited Masora yet, have you? No. One day you'll drive up with me. I, I go like three, four times during the summer. I would love to. It's a golden opportunity for me and you to just schmooze <laughs> about the status of world jury, Joe. Let's use that opportunity. We'll, we'll make some decisions along the way of what we could do to enhance Jewish lives around the world. Love it. I appreciate that. All right, so today we're here to remind everybody that Rabbi Ariel Cohen is coming to West Orange, New Jersey. Rabbi Cohen is going to be the guest of the Beit Knesset Zichron David, named for Joe's father. You'll hear from Hero Soldier by Ariel Cohen this coming Sunday night, beginning at 7.30. The address is 37 Buckingham Road. And uh, you are, you've told me during the week that Rabbi Cohen has quite a story to share with everybody, and they can come meet him this coming Sunday night. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, he's such a, such a hero, such a sadik from A to Z. Where I, could, I can't talk more. I can't say more about him. And, you know, how many lives he's changed. And just by being to my, in, in the shul, so many, you don't know, the connection that he's made to everybody around us, it's unbelievable. So wait a second, is he a West Orange resident? He's not a West Orange resident. But he's in your shul constantly? Because his his father-in-law and mother wow. lived there for a while. So yeah, and then they made Aliyah. But so I got to know him. Rabbi Ariel Cohen, a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Thank you. Good I have morning. special regards for you from the Town Council of Guilford, New York. <laughs> They've sent regards to you this morning. I don't know if they're sending a representative Sunday night. That I don't know. <laughs> but I know you have an affinity toward that area of New York State, right? Yeah, beautiful place. After all, it's the home of Camp Masora. 
So give us a little perspective here. We've heard about Jewish heroes who are based in the United States who did what you did. Tell us a little bit about your story. Shmini Atzeres, Shabbos here, Sunday Simchas Torah. At some point you decide that you must run to Israel and join your army unit. Tell us about that. Um, yeah, so first of all, um, I'm not a hero at all. Um, well, Joe wrote it on the text. He said Jewish era. <laughs> I take what he says very seriously. It's the truth. He it's might get truth. me to the front row in the Gula Cup. It's, I mean, the, it's the truth, 100%. But all right, truth. well, we can yeah. debate your heroism another time. What happened that week? So that week, um, I work at the JLSC Rabbi University. And, and just a word, in all seriousness, because, you know, people love when I, when I take off on Jewish organizations. The OUJLIC program is a gem. It is one of the gems of our community. People like you, couples like yourselves, go to the campus, and these kids will be lost without you. That's the bottom line. None of you agree with me. They'd Absolutely. be lost without you. So you're on Brandeis? Yeah. You're on Brandeis University. Interesting. Yeah. Must be a lot of Jewish students there. Yeah. Baruch Hashem. We have a lot of crowd, and we're doing um, our best there. How long have you been there? Three years. Wow. Um, yeah. So, Shemini Atzeret Morning, um, for your question. We were in shul. Like in Brandeis? In Brandeis. And suddenly one of the workers came around and she um, went to my wife and she said, um, something happened. And I see my wife waving from the um, woman section. She right. said, come outside. So what happened? She said it was a major terror attack and there were already 30 people who were killed and they even kidnapped someone. I said, okay, 30 people. We heard and about this number. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not a crazy number. Right. Okay. I went back to shul and like after like two minutes she came back. It's like it's not a thirty. It's a hundred people. So I told her she's she's a Jew lady, um, very nice lady, who know that we have a family in Israel. So she thought about coming to update us. And I said like when you say hundred people, you include all the terrorists with that. And she's like no, it's just innocent people who were killed. I said where do you get this information? Is that CNN? Is that like um like something like? Is that a valve? <laughs> like, are we, can we trust it? She the said, the lady's trying to be helpful. He's interrogating her. Yeah. And she's, no, it's Jerusalem Post. I said, oh, wow. So we went back to shul. We stopped the dive and we said to him. And then she continued coming, like, come every updates. few minutes, updates the number and it raised up, up and up and up. Um, yeah. And then we were in a situation that we still have two days till right. the hug is over. Till Sunday night. Sunday night. And we like I'm um, collecting information from people um, around, and when Chag is over, we made a phone call to our family to make sure that everyone okay and Hashem everyone were okay. And then I need to make a decision: what am I doing? Am I staying? Or, or as my wife said, where are you more important, here or there? And it wasn't an easy decision to make. Um, we have a very big community over there. They all were like wow, the um, work. The work people like you do on these campuses is amazing. And they all were like. Um, you are my Israeli guy. Like, right. where are you going? Don't leave right. us. Right. Um, and on the other side... When did you go? I'm sorry for rushing this along. When um, did you go? It took me like a um, few days. That week? That no, The week after, October 16, I was on a plane already. And you and the way it works, you have a unit that you know exactly what to report to, right? I have a unit, but the way it works in a war, that um, you change units. All of my but units... they tell you where you're going. So I reached out to my commander. Right. He said, come, we're going south. And, and you were in the southern part of Israel? I was in the southern part of Israel, yeah. And for how long? For three months. For three months? Yeah. 13 Shabbatot? Yeah. In short break in the middle, I came back for Hanukkah and I went back to Israel. 
So it's not just your students who are concerned about you. Your family here was also, I'm sure, very family, concerned. friends, uh, student. Could parents, you be in touch with parents. people or not? Yeah, of course. Um, well, don't say of course. A lot of soldiers can't be in touch, right? So They're thank God, to. my position. I had I had the ability to bring my phone with. I um, I stayed in um, one place in that place for a few days, and then I came back to Israel and like um, um. So were you over, over the border officially or not? Yeah. And how far over the border? To the, to the ocean. Seriously? Yeah. The entire length, the entire width of Gaza. Yeah, it's not so big. It's not right, so like. But, but it's still, when we think about being in enemy territory, you're, it's, it's not an easy. Yeah, all the way. And you are, because we saw videos of soldiers in that area on the beach. And you're with how many other people in this unit? Like, uh, how large is this team that you're traveling with through a war zone? Um, listen, in the end of the day, there were hundreds of thousands of soldiers there in Gaza Strip. Right. Um, my unit is pretty small. I served in a special unit, so um, my unit was very, very small, but like, um, yeah, interesting. And area. what does special mean? What's your, what is your specialty? Um, I'm a sniper. Wow. And, and they are very necessary in Gaza. Everyone are necessary. Oh, that I get. But snipers, I would assume, you know, you're trying to hit the right people and carry out the correct mission. Doing what was the job. most dangerous day of your stay there? Um, every day in a war, it's a dangerous day. In the end of the day, it's a war. Um, we're losing, um, we unfortunately losing soldiers every single day. Including from your unit? <clears throat> Thank God um, we didn't lose anyone. My One of my soldiers who sat behind me in the Hummer got shot by a sniper in his neck. And... Believe it or not, it was the biggest miracle that I haven't seen. He shot by a sniper in his neck, and nothing happened to him. Like, he released from the hospital after two days. And if this is not a miracle, so what is a miracle? Yeah, well, we know who's watching us. Yeah. Rabbi Ariel Cohen is here. Um, how, how does one get a sense in your position about whether the war is being victorious or not? First of all, the, the war is Victorian. Um, we are winning, okay? The question is, um, it's not even a question. Like we just heard, um, um, read in two weeks over in Parashat Yitro, the whole world is listening to it. The whole world is, is, like, um, is aware to what's going on in Israel. But the question is, if we will um, do the effect that was in Kriyat Yamsuf and um, Milchemet Amalek. By the way, it's the same Amalek, right. same guy. Right. Um, that With the um, same need to destroy them completely that, that we haven't done in history. After Milchemet Amalek, we had 40 years of quiet till Yoshua. Mm-hmm. Then Yoshua for 40 years, we didn't do anything. So this is a goal. The goal is to let everyone um, live in peace. Like we, we will never look for a war. Like you won't find in the history any war that Israel started. The the price is so great, though. The price is so great. All, all the families that are, are suffering the way, even this week, with what happened uh, up north, uh, a widow with five children, and this is duplicated God knows how many hundreds and thousands of times throughout Israel. It's so heartbreaking and so painful. It's not, it's not only that. It's any family who lives in Israel, and not in, only in Israel. Like family who live here in Teaneck, New Jersey, that their hearts in Israel suffering. Why? Because... I'm glad you believe that because I, I preach that and I'm glad you agree with that. Listen, um, the Etzara, it's Etzara to Israel. Like Gomorrah speak about Etzara. What are you doing in Etzara? How do you live your life? Are you going to like... Um, a time of great pain. Yeah. A time of great challenge. Yeah. 
So we're all in the same travel now. It doesn't, mean we're, it doesn't matter where we live. If we live in Australia, in, in London, or in Israel, we're all in the same <laughs> travel. Um, because, unfortunately, the people who want to kill us in Israel want to kill us also here. Even in West Orange. Absolutely. I mean, crazy what's you, happening you in West Orange. It's, and you hear what's going on in Teaneck. Yeah, but same thing in West Orange. Same exact thing. Same exact thing. And we're talking about neighborhoods that have had plenty of Jews. Absolutely. Over the years. It's plenty crazy. of all types and all backgrounds, many of whom love Israel. It's crazy. And then, you know, he, he just had a baby before, you know, like six months ago, seven, you know, like he left three kids and boom, just went to, you know. How old is your oldest for? child? Five. And do they comprehend any of this? Do they, <clears> they don't understand what's going on yet? No, their mom told them that Abba went to protect Am Israel. That's it. They have no, and we have no. Well, interest. with that in mind, she agrees that he's a Jewish hero. He may not agree, but his wife obviously does. She is a Jewish hero. <laughs> she is a Jewish hero. She is a Jewish hero. Staying. I, I, I got a report yesterday about what my niece is going through in Israel, with her husband of the 19th Shabbatot being away. How many? Twelve. I don't know how many he was away. It's not easy. I want to tell you another thing. Um, in few, like in 24 hours, we're gonna read Parashat Truma. We call it Truma. When I decided I'm going to Israel, I post on the WhatsApp group that I'm going to Israel. Less than 24 hours, my whole basement was packed till the ceiling with donations mm. that people sent me. You got to hold a Joe, huh? The Amazon <laughs> track was unloading my house for two hours. Yeah, it lives in front day. of the Rosazada house, <laughs> trust me. Yeah. Um, the chesed that I saw and the support that we got from people all over the world I saw people who lived here in New Jersey, in um, Maryland, people who has a lot of money who can spend their winter break in Hawaii or whatever, traveling to Israel to stand the whole day flipping hamburgers for um, soldiers and then washing the dishes. Right, or picking cucumbers <laughs> or, or picking cucumbers gathering clementines or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah, I, there's no doubt there's a tremendous amount of chesed going on and the need is so great. Um, what can I say? It's not every Friday I get to meet a Jewish hero. Usually Joe is the greatest hero that <laughs> he I meet, isn't very that much I meet on a typical Friday. No, 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 no. How did you first meet uh, Dr. Rosazada? How did you? How many years ago was this? You were. You, he says your in-laws were in West Orange. Is that how you first met? Seven, eight years. Seven, eight years that, ago. Yeah. yeah. And immediately you, you understood that he's one of the uh, champions of no, Fesed. No, 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 that's not true. That's not true? No. He, he adopted Holy me. cow, we've been getting <laughs> terribly inaccurate absolutely, reports. Absolutely, absolutely. This is awful. I can't believe absolutely. it. We've been painting you as this great <laughs> Fesed man. That's not true. Anyway, Rabbi Cohen, what can I say? Anybody who wants to meet a Jewish hero, and don't argue with me now, so I'm still on the air. You can argue with me once I leave the air. Anybody who wants to meet a true Jewish hero, um, it's happening, is it 37 Buckingham? 37 Buckingham. 37 Buckingham in West Orange at 7.30 on Sunday night. Yes. And Rabbi Cohen will be speaking about all this and giving details as much as, as he's allowed to about what he's endured the last few months Mainly in Israel. Are you uh, back in Brandeis? Are you? Uh, yeah. How are things up there? Baruch Hashem. You don't know how college many... campuses are not easy these days. Especially in Boston. The Moscow, yeah. the Moscow um, college students who target by um, all the nice people are in Boston. Because thank God it's in College Town, USA. Thank God in Brandeis, um, we're good. Not 100%, but we're... Um, much better than in Harvard, MIT. B. Is there a friendly president in Brandeis? He's a Jew. It, okay, I'll ask again. <laughs> Is there a friendly president in Brandeis? Um, yeah. yeah. Baruch Hashem for that. I wasn't so involved because I was in a different place. Right, I, the, but I'm sure you were monitoring or at least hearing what's going on back here. Yeah. 
but also you understand the, the the kids that he's changed. You know, like they're they're yeah. literally like you know you, coming to Minion so much more. And don't forget and, his wife and forty people, thirty people for Friday night yeah. dinner, and and it's so nice to see, so nice to hear. And then I don't know if you saw this the the most famous WhatsApp that he sent. <laughs> he sent this WhatsApp to oh his, the video, the video he sent the Arab Shabbat video. That you asked one thing that people should be mitpalel, that people should pray. That was the one thing you asked, right? I asked, and, and pray seriously, like take it seriously when you pray. Um, very short story. Yeah, I sure. was on the border of Gaza, and my wife texted me. Since you left, we're having a hard time to get a minion. Can you send some chizuk to the student? So I sent this video. I didn't even look on this. I didn't watch this video till nowadays. I sent sent to my wife, and that's it. This video had over like I don't know, like three million views in this website and two million views in Instagram or whatever, and people connected me and they said, since I saw your video, I started to put film again. Since I saw your video, I'm davening. I go to Marv. I stopped going to Marv. So it, worth, it was worth it. And I don't have social media. I don't have Facebook, Instagram, all of that. I just sent a short video. You're to on my a wife. college campus without <laughs> social media. <laughs> See, believe it or not. Um, one Shabbat, I'd like to go with, uh, the, my wife and I would like to go with your wife and you to visit the cones and Brandeis. You got to do it. First of all, the Rosazadas need a break. Every <laughs> Shabbat there, they're helping 4 million people and they, they never get a minute to breathe. I've been to their house. Joe sleeps from like 1 a.m. to 4 a.m. shop this morning. Like that's the extent of it. So he needs a little bit of a break and that would be a nice vacation. Please come. I'd like the Seagulls and the Rosazadas to come. Maybe we'll actually inspire your students a little bit. You know, I'll talk a little bit about the whole, you know, Please be our situation. You know, I would love to. Tell a couple of jokes, you know. <laughs> I could be funny. Anyway, can we pull that off? Absolutely. Is that the shem? Is that the has shem? to be during the during the school season. Yeah, we could. Me and you could go, and Ariel could run the shul and everything else in West Orange, and we'll be good. No we'll problem. do a little. <laughs> we'll do a little exchange program. No problem. No problem. <laughs> anyway, Rabbi Ariel Cohen, what can I say? Can a sniper? I'm being serious. This is not a joke. Can a sniper sleep at night while they're in the in Gaza, or you really have to be? so focused 24 hours a day that that if you doze off for a few minutes that's that's an accomplishment i can just say that every sniper has an assistant there are two people yeah like a team yeah and is there a degree a certificate that one must get to become a sniper like is there a certain i don't know level of expertise you need to achieve that where the army recognizes you as a sniper yeah, you need to be chosen to be a sniper. Not everyone can do it. And is that subjective or there's like a course where you... Of course. It's a course. Of course. It's a very long one. Seriously? Yeah. Costs a lot of money. Wow. Yeah. I would assume your eyesight's phenomenal. What was that? 2020? Never required glasses. Okay. Joe, you and I would not be able to be snipers. No, no, no. For a variety of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but we also wear glasses, so forget it. I have, I have, I have, tr I had trouble reading that uh, that paragraph to name my grandchild yesterday. I was like, oh my gosh, I take off my glasses, leave them on, you know. But anyway, Rabbi Cohen, we hope to visit you at Brandeis. I hope that thousands of people crowd the shul Sunday night, please, in order to meet you at thirty-seven. Is it Buckingham Road? Drive? Buckingham Road. Buckingham Road. Thirty-seven Buckingham Road, seven thirty p.m. this coming Sunday night in West Orange, New Jersey. And Dr. Joe Rosazada guarantees that you will be inspired by Cohen's story. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Thank you. What's the plan for today? Today. A lot of chesed to be done? Yeah, I got to go to the hospital, go to the Kessler. Yeah. A lot of people in need, Joe. 
There really are. It's more than ever. More and more people more that I ever. know are coming forward to me telling me about the terrible situations that they're in. More than ever. I'm telling you. And now I'm getting worried because Purim and Pesach are approaching. Yeah, more than, I'm telling you, more than ever. More than ever. People are losing houses, believe it or not. I'm just, you know, right and left, I'm getting phone calls from here. And you know what the problem is? I'm not going to say anything about myself, but I'll use you as the example. You, you, you would love to solve everyone's problem. Yeah. That's it's the true. problem. It's true. You don't know how to set boundaries. That's true. You would love to be able to just solve everyone's problem. Yeah, just like a snap. I would love it, I'm telling you. And soon, I mean, I know we're only in Adar Aleph, but soon in Nissan we're going to start our annual Chesed campaign where I just am trying to make people aware that they have to remember that there are people in very difficult situations. It doesn't have to be financial. It could be other situations. Absolutely. And just do something nice for other people. Absolutely, and, absolutely. And the truth is that someone like yourself who would love to solve everyone's problems in the snap of a finger needs to remember that also, that sometimes a small gesture goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. So. It really does. It really does. How did we get into such a complicated world, Dr. <laughs> Rosazada? Hashem puts us here for the test. He There's could have left test. us in Tehran yeah. without any of these problems. All we would have to have done is try to survive day to day. We went about all these initiatives and chasadim and shuls to worry Listen, about. We went for, about for, <laughs> for the first time, I'm worried to live in West Orange and Teaneck, I'm telling you. Well, it's, it can't be as bad as Tehran. No, but but like, these people, the way they're talking, it's just... It's ridiculous. Really ridiculous. You know, Rabbi Cohen, you know what my father would say? The great Rabbi Zev Siegel of blessed memory. You know what he would say? Sometimes it's better that you that you hear what's coming out of their mouths because you know who your enemy is. Mm -hmm. You don't have to wonder what people are thinking. If there's one thing this war has shown us, and again, I don't know how close you were able to follow this uh, in October, November, and December because you were in Israel. As difficult as this war has been, we have been given the luxury of discovering who are our friends and who are our hateful enemies. And there's some advantage to that. Would you agree? Absolutely. So, even on your own campus, now you probably know who you can rely on and who is out there to make trouble for everybody. Student come and say, we, are, we lost friends. Oh, of course. We but they also have clarity now as yeah. to who they should hang out with and who they shouldn't hang out Absolutely. with. Absolutely. And that is a little bit of menucha, right? I'll, I'll tell you, it's not a secret that all of the Shuvim who are around Gaza that were injured... They're all one piece with the Gaza. They're right. all one. Like their dream they, is they, like to go do shopping in Khan Yunis. Right. They are what we can refer to as peaceniks. But they, they like we, were taught a very important lesson that day. Correct. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Thank you. The debate. This will continue at my Shabbos table tonight. Tehran versus West Orange. <laughs> this will continue tonight. Ay, ay, ay. We should get the mayor of Tehran to debate the mayor of West Orange. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Uh, Dr. Rosazada. We're so overtime at this point, I don't even uh, feel the need to wrap things up. I may as well just sit here and schmooze for a while. Yeah. Our final thank yous of the morning for our um, 40th anniversary campaign to, oh man, a lot of people over the last couple of minutes. Uh, thank you to uh, Gloria Rappaport. Thank you to Susan and Michael Odinsky. Thanks, Nachum, for all you do from West Hempstead, New York. Thank you. Oh, and formerly from Elizabeth. Everyone's moving out to West Hempstead. Joyce Goldfarb, thank you. Mavis Rosenstein, thank you. Dunn Fuchs, thank you. May you continue to provide essential services to Clyde Israel. Ken Winkler, thank you. Thank you for all you do. Wishing you a meaningful and peaceful Shabbat and peace to you and yours and all of Israel. Helen Urowitz, thank you. In honor of Nachum Siegel's wonderful programming that we enjoy in Israel. Wow. Joe, you can help me with this name. Tarena Rehanian. Is that a Persian name or? Rehanian is Rehanian. Persian. Yeah. 
Thank you for all you do for Am Yisrael. <laughs> your Persian listeners. There you go. Wow. I never thought that we'd uh, <laughs> that the Persian part of the you know, the audience would be relying on. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were the exception. <laughs> no, no, no. M- M- Rabin. Oh yeah, Dr. Rabin Rose. You think Dr. Joe Rosado is a big deal? Dr. Rabin Rose is yeah, absolutely off the charts. After all, he's the one who led the operation through the desert. Yeah, you were a tag along. Absolutely. He 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 was the yeah, offensive absolutely. line. <laughs> he navigated. Absolutely. He nav- Thank you, Mister Military. Thank you for this. I needed your help with that one. He navigated. As Ray Cohen says, he navigated you through That's the desert right, for sure. How many miles do you think you traveled through that desert? Give me an estimate. I don't know. I'll ask Ben Cohen. He knows the map of the Middle East. I have no idea. But could it have been hundreds of miles? I think probably probably less. 50 miles? At least 50, I think. Man. And by the way, for those wondering, your parents paid someone to get you out of Iran. Yep. Man. Yep. I know that all parents sacrifice for their children, but boy, the lessons that you were taught. And then your father comes here, uh, starts a business... No, nothing. He never worked here. What do you mean? You <laughs> talked about schlepping carpeting. Me and my brother. Not my father. My father had a heart problem. So did he, he, did he, how did you know what to do? <laughs> we just figured it out. Me and my brother. Yeah, my father was in the hospital. He couldn't, he, he couldn't work. He couldn't do anything. Yeah. But was he in the carpet business in Iran? No. What business was he in in Iran? He, first, he had a talk of the restaurants. He had before the revolution. He had a restaurant that he served alcohol, and the night of revolution, they burned his restaurant down because he served alcohol. So then he then he went to clothing business in Shiraz, like you know, cloth business. Yeah, and what we call textiles. Yeah, yeah. that's what it was. Boy, did we abandon the Shah. <laughs> Well, you probably Shabbos. you were probably taught that a million times. Yeah, so we abandoned the show. Absolutely, absolutely. Peter and Fran Cohen, we've been listening to you since the start of your show. Please keep up the great work. You help to keep Claudia Stroll in our minds. You are blessed, boy. It's worth it to do the fundraiser just to hear what people think about this. And we got the four hundred and fifty donors, which is one of my goals for today. Thank you. Thank you to everybody. Uh, it's been 40 amazing years, and the one commitment we have is to try to do another 40. Joe said to me off the air, he said, you know, Nachum, you're probably good for another 10. I said, no, Joe, I'm going for 40. Remember when, you, remember when you uh, and I had this argument? You said I could probably only do another good 10 years, and I said I'm going to go for 40. Remember that? No. You don't remember that conversation? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Rabbi Cohen would like me to get up to Brandeis before the 10 years are up. He'd like me to get, he wants me to get up there while I'm still relevant. 120 years, is that the shame you're going to be here? Rabbi Cohen, you're going to be introducing me to students who are 40 years younger than me, who will not know of any of the impact I might have had in the Jewish world. I will be up there. It will be the biggest blow to my ego. Thank God my friend Dr. Joe Rosado will be there to prop me up. And he'll be able to give me a little chizuk as I go through that humiliating experience at Brandeis. No response, Rabbi Cohen? He agrees with everything I said. By the way, I got authorization from the board of the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting. I'm allowed to use $10 of the fundraising money for cough medicine. If it finally <laughs> gets rid of this thing that I've had since my Cohen got back from Israel. That's how that's, long I've had this. I've had this, funny. I think, since January 1st. Dr. Rosada, you're a doctor. you have anything you can prescribe for me? Mm, ask what I've been. Ask what I've been. Talk, I should ask a real doctor. There you're you right. Go. I should ask a Absolutely. real, real yeah, medical absolutely. authority. Absolutely. I mean, what am I doing sitting here asking you? That's ridiculous. <laughs> 
Anyway, all kidding aside, everybody, yeah, everyone out there knows what I think of the Rosazada family. Thank you. Did you hear about all the Siegel uh, smachot? Baruch Hashem, so nice. Yigal's uh, youngest child just got engaged. In fact, if you're in Israel before Pesach, we might be in Israel together for the wedding. You never know. It's possible. Uh, last week, my uh, brother and sister-in-law in Staten Island married off their last child. Oh, wow. So that was a tremendous simple. And then I don't know if you heard, but about a week ago, I had a grandson. Oh. I don't know if you heard. I know that. <laughs> Baruch Hashem. So, oh, nice. so I was telling you, so I, I did something very, very important yesterday. And I know there's a war, and I know that there might be other more important things, but I think Joe will agree, especially after coming from Tehran to New Jersey. I think you, you'll understand the impact of this. Um, there are... There are um, there are people who have priorities when a baby is born. They want to make sure that from the beginning, from the very, very start, they want to make sure to instill the proper values in that child, right? From sure. the very, very beginning. Benjamin was joking with me how he's already started uh, teaching him his bar mitzvah parsha. <laughs> but he was only half kidding. Like, he understands the value of, For you sure. know. So yesterday, I walked into the bris with one of the most important things on this topic. It was, uh, it, it, you know what a onesie is, Joe? Have you ever seen one of these things? Call them a onesie, <laughs> yeah. right? You have a brand new baby, Rabbi Cohen, a onesie. And the onesie says on it, Grandpa says I'm a Yankee fan. <laughs> so I was a little upset that he didn't wear it for the actual bris, but okay. <laughs> but you see that I'm on top of the important That's things. That's very important. I mean, come That's on. Important. When very you came important. from Tehran, you didn't even know what the Yankees were. Yeah, now I knew, you I knew what the Mets were because they were doing so well in 80. I told you this already. Oh, that was the That's whole Mets thing. <laughs> So that's what I'm worried about. My Mechutin is a Met fan. Uh, I said, if I don't get on this immediately uh, at the bris, my Mechutin says to me, wouldn't it be funny after all these years if this was our first fight, whether he's a Yankee fan? (laughs) Anyway, it's all in good fun, folks. You know, know, in the long run, I couldn't care less. But hey, you know, got to have some fun with all this. My baby has a uh, Wednesday who says, in Hebrew, it's like Maccabi Tel Aviv Wednesday. It says, like you're not like um you don't exchange you don't, you don't uh, what's the word? you don't abandon your team you don't and abandon your father. your father right I love that <laughs> yeah Maccabi Tel Aviv those were the days did you hear about them in Tehran no no you weren't aware of Tal Brody or Mickey Berkovich or Arrowesti or any of those guys nope Rabbi Cohen knows who I'm talking about yeah of course you know the famous story with Nahum Siegel and Ashdod no in 1980 I'm walking in Ashdod. And, um, yeah, those were the days when a teenage kid could actually go somewhere and not report to their parents where they were, you know. <laughs> I'm literally walking as a 15-year-old there. And um, and I pass two young girls who are on the street. I'm walking, and they pass me. And as I pass them, one says to the other, Thierry, Olsi Perry Alavan. <laughs> a white Olsi Perry. Olsi Perry in those days was the... Israeli basketball star. This was after Tal Brody. You know, Tal Brody had retired already. Yeah, okay. Rabbi Cohen, I'm just trying to prove to you that I know the important things about Israeli history. <laughs> you might be a sniper who's looking for, who's looking for the enemy who's trying to kill me. I'm, I'm keeping you up to date on the sports information. <laughs> all the important things. The stuff that they didn't teach Joe Rosazada in Tehran. He had to come all the way to America to hear about these things. Anyway, there you go. Um, that's our show for today. Amazing. That's it. Candle lighting at 5.11. Joe has made a commitment that he will be in shul by 5.30. No, I have to be there a little bit earlier. 5.20? About 5.20. 5.20. I'll be there in uh, 
in West Orange, New Jersey. Uh, and thank you to Rabbi Cohen. 7.30 Sunday night. Go and meet Rabbi Cohen. You'll meet a real Jewish hero, even though he's probably going to argue with you the way he was arguing with me earlier this morning. And if you haven't given yet to our anniversary campaign, Joe Rosazada says the following. There's seven hours and 45 minutes left. According to Joe Rosazada time, there's seven hours and 55 minutes left. And you got to get in your donation today. That's it. Because as much as we will reluctantly accept your donation next week, we will do it reluctantly. We will not do it. We will not do it unreluctantly. So please, if you want to be on the unreluctant side... Make sure to donate today at fjbunity.org. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at nachomsegal.com, on the nachomsegal network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Friday here at JM&M. Thank you to everybody for all the Mazel Tov wishes. Keep it coming in terms of our campaign. Support us and join the 400 and... Let's see, 450 donors have already participated in our 40th anniversary campaign. If you're a patient of Dr. Joe Rosazada, he just told me that you should give the copay to us here at JM and the AM. He says, forget about the copay for next week's appointment and just give it to fjbunity.org. The man is a gem. And uh, I thank him and I thank her by Cohen. And uh, I'll let you know when we're heading up to Brandeis with a full report from one of the uh, battlegrounds in America. It's called the College Campus. Have a phenomenal Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Uh, Kedem presents the Arab Shabbos Show with Mark Zamek coming up at 10 a.m. Eastern Time until Monday, President's Day. It's Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember to past, live the present, and trust the future.